Rockstar Games is responsible for some of the world's best games, but are they secretly evil? How can we handle this betrayal? Uh, find out why 100-hour workweeks may not be as bad as they initially sound on this overworked and unappreciated bowl of dude soup. Well, there's this thing. Oh, dude soup. This, this thing, uh, yeah. This intro. Crazy that what you can do with After Effects these days. Not a very good wife. Is this the intro every week? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I would change it up. Don't judge us. I'm judging so I used to change it up, but it was, it's like it's not worth the time. People don't watch more if you make an extra, like a change in the intro. You know what I mean? No, they don't. Well, that you haven't tried it yet. So I did. Maybe no, they did. will he, watch. He did try it. I no. tried it for months, ran analytics on it. <laughs> I retract no. that statement. <laughs> it's like some of those YouTube channels who have like 15, 30 second intros that will literally make me not watch the rest of their oh, video. Yeah. All like, the After I Effects Minecraft this. intros. Oh, they take so long. <laughs> Just going to write a quick note here. <laughs> don't. Cut intros. <laughs> Mega split gaming. No, I love the idea, and I'm sure some people appreciate it. But like by the numbers, if it doesn't get more viewers, it's probably something I shouldn't be spending time on. But there's yeah. always a. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Hey, welcome to Dude Soup. I'm your host Lawrence, who doesn't have a, a nickname because I forget to give them to myself. But I'm joined by three expert panelists when it comes to working jobs. We've all done that quite a bit. I do have a job. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah. Finally. Give there me a go. fist bump. Oh, you sick? My hands are cold. Mine are too. I get cold hands. Yeah, I like cold hands. It oh. cools me down. I'm, I'm typically very hot. Bruce is typically very hot. Hey! <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. I appreciate that. That's right. Really uh, nice. Speaking of Barbara, we got Barbara, a beat on too strong Dunkelman, who works <laughs> wow. very hard. Could that be my lower third for the entire Yeah, we episode? need lower thirds now. Omar! <laughs> <laughs> too strong? Beat dunk yeah. too strong? Too, uh, beat on too strong. And that's the number two. Oh, of nice. course. Just so you know. Nice. Oh, you uh, spelled it strunk as well. Yeah. I like that. Because it's got a rhyme. I'm, I'm not going to read the others. I don't want spoilers. All right. Yeah. There's Bruce, the tooth is loose, green. That's right. I don't know. I was what going with tooth. thing with working hard? It doesn't really have oh, to do with that. to do with like, your butthole being loose? Sure. Yeah, that's hard walk. That's Bruce probably has the most traveled why butthole yeah. in yeah, greater LA area. And Alana dropping bombs up Pierce. It's hard to rhyme with Alana. All right. <laughs> I was thinking something Meliana, but I didn't want to go there. You could go llama. Llama. Alana llama. Yeah. yeah. She's Charlana Zard. Don't forget. I did forget. Never forget. <laughs> How do you rhyme with... Oh, that makes rhyming easier. Yeah? I still remember the first time I saw your screen name. I spent too long trying to we all read it out. Whenever I'm on a podcast and someone's like, so, where can people find you? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Google. Yeah, just try Google. Yeah, it's a... Once you get it, it makes total sense. I know. Yes. That's why I started saying only like last year. I've had it since I was 14, and I only started saying it's my name in the middle of Charizard like a year ago. Does that, does that help it click in with people? I think so. I don't know. The problem is that Charizard has an I, and I don't think Charizard The I is removed. My name is in there instead. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit longer that way. Yeah, that doesn't sound the same. Like there's no I in team. There's just Alana in yeah. team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, this podcast is sponsored by three sponsors. We've got Amazon Prime Video, Beachbody, and Quip. Uh, with Amazon Prime, you can pay for only the Prime channels you want, including stuff like Showtime, HBO, Stars. Uh, you can get free trials of over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash dudesoup. Uh, you can get a free trial membership to Beachbody On Demand, including their 14-day results plan, which they say can help you lose up to 9 pounds in 2 weeks, which is intense, but I suppose possible uh, when you text DUDE to 303030. And then uh, Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash DUDE, you get your first refill pack of little brush heads for free. Quip Electric Toothbrush. Again, that's uh, getquip.com slash dude. I'm like reading those vanity worlds. Great promo code. Right? It yeah. is. Yeah. My favorite is for Blue Apron, we get soup, which just makes all kinds of sense. Oh, yeah. It's just weird how it, it like changes every time. It's either dude or soup. That or happens dude with soup. some of our shows, too. Yeah. 
I think I think someone else is trying to take your codes. Out. They are. Mm. Don't dare they. Who's taking dude? I don't know. I'm just proud Oscar that we Wilde. got it. Get it? Oscar get it? Get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, I do. <laughs> Thank I get it. He made the wood. I mean, I get. Yeah. Really? He invented the wood, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I actually didn't know that. I thought it was because you were talking about because he's gay. No. No, he invented the wood. And I'll, as we know, the word dude is reserved for gay people. No, just because he likes dudes. That's no, my joke was way smarter than that. It yeah. was way smarter than that. Alana was way smarter. I just nodded yeah. pretending to know what you were talking about. Thank I you. Know, I didn't I'll know at all. No, I, I want know. the podcast to be about this now. Oscar Wilde invented the word dude. What's the context of that? Uh, I mean, it well, was. It started as a mix of something with attitude. Ooh. Oh. Attitude. Attitude and dude, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like duds with attitude. Dud meaning like clothes. I, I'm not really sure. Studs. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was talking about dudes with that. Wait a minute. He invented the one. <laughs> God damn it! This is just a whole thing about Owen Brothers or the Cohen Brothers and. Ah, there we go. The word dude was invented by Oscar Wilde and his friends. It came from attitude and duds. Yeah. What are, duds. what are duds? Clothes. I don't know. Duds are typically clothes. Isn't a dud like something that isn't great? Like, that's what I, a dud. Mm-hmm. But that seems like wearing... it'd be more. When you're Reese's wearing line. duds, those are clothes. I promise you I didn't that. Didn't know that. I promise. Sweet Plus, duds. it was also in the like the early 1900s. So yeah. That's why I, like I don't it. know how old the word duds is because that one makes sense to me. Yeah. If it's duds with I'll attitude, meaning like we're a bunch of idiots and we have attitude, that right. makes sense. Duds. But. Well, who knows? All right. Anyway, um, great joke, Alana. Now we yeah. know. <laughs> Let's yeah. get into it, guys. We've we've been we've been goofing off too much. We got to get back on that clock. Oh, oh, okay. Grind out this podcast. All right. All right. Uh, so yeah, there was there was an incident lately, or rather, <sighs> a while ago. Yeah, unfortunate phrasing in the middle of a very broad and actually diverse interview, which it was about Rockstar Games. It ran in Vultures. Let me throw this over here. Oh wow! Yeah, we got a big ass TV screen. Wow! I'm gonna use it. Color me impressed. So uh, this was actually a really cool interview. Rockstar Games, specifically either the Hausers, Dan or Sam Hauser, right? Uh, lead writers at Rockstar, host of other titles too. Uh, typically don't give interviews uh, because they actually say in like the first paragraph, I think this is Dan Hauser, he's saying like it, it creates, let's see, here we go, quote, lots of girls who only want to speak to you or have sex with you because you're famous and in exchange for that you give up your whole soul. So they actually kind of reject the idea of any kind of celebrity. So they don't talk about their work much, they don't do many interviews, they don't go to E3. So this was kind of cool, except that buried in this interview was the following quote. Uh, quote, we were working 100-hour weeks uh, several times in 2018, Dan says. The finished game includes 300,000 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, and many more lines of code. Even for each Red Dead... Uh, why am I blinking on the R? It's not reloaded. Rev- Redemption? Thank you. No, I was wow. like, what do you mean? I was brain. like, Revolution? Revolver? Right? No. Wow. Your brain. Red Dead Even Revolution. Even I knew that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's why you're here, Barbara. Uh, TV commercial quote, we What's probably made... What's the Barbara Dunkelman? Hello. <laughs> We probably made 70 versions, but the editors may take several hundred. Sam and I will both make lots of suggestions, as will other members of the team. Um, that 100-hour line got yanked out. A bunch, of, a bunch of understandably angry and overworked game developers then took to Twitter to uh, decry this thing, because often the amount of hours worked and the overtime worked on a game is, is paraded around as a badge of honor, um, both by people that lead studios and, and bizarrely by the people who work them. It's kind of treated as this, uh, this like war you have to go through. Yeah, 
And if you can't hang with the big dogs, if, if you want to see your sunlight and your kids, well, get the fuck out. Like you're not hardcore enough. Exactly. Yeah, I know it happens a lot with QA testers. Mm -hmm. Like they'll want a job at the studio so bad that they'll work more than anyone else. And some of them uh, even have awards for which QA tester put in the most hours in a week, really? which is messed up. That is like, kind of messed up. So they work 100 hours just so they can get a job at the studio and have impressed everyone. And they're like, yeah, I put in 100 hours. I didn't sleep. I didn't shower. And you're like, that's, that's bad. Yeah, I hate the mentality that you don't care enough or work hard enough if you don't work crazy hours Constant or overtime there, or more yeah. than everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, there was so there were that was specifically on a uh, there were a number of developers that took to Twitter and basically posted their their experiences uh, Adam Boys basically uh, basically oh, yeah. said what you said. So yeah. um, just to just to iterate this, my first job in games, we had a leaderboard where we tracked who worked the most hours in one week on the project. I made it to third place with 118 Jeez. hours. This is uh, in sorry. In one week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Iron Galaxy Studios CEO Adam Boys. It felt cool, like you were committed to the project, committed to the cause, trying to impress the dev team. I was in QA, trying to make an impact. So few people were getting promoted. Uh, so few people were getting promoted onto dev teams that you wanted to stand out. Nobody asked us to ask us to do it. Managers told us to stop, but we didn't because it worked. Many of us got promoted because of our work ethic and commitment. Once I moved out of QA, the implied pressure to sacrifice anything to get the job done grew exponentially. It was quote-unquote cool if you had a cot in your office or a sleeping bag under your desk. You were quote-unquote hardcore if you ran out of clean clothes and had to shower at work. Thankfully, I didn't have a wife or kids during that period, so I was only hurting myself. But to those that worked with me or on my teams, I am sorry. I set a bad example, and I pushed the same rhetoric onto my teams. I spoke about commitment and sacrifices. It was bullshit. Today, I have one goal each day, to make it home and have dinner with my wife and kids. To be there for school events, vacations, baseball games, figure skating, family, Fortnite, or just to goof around. And guess what? I don't miss those late nights one bit. I'm very proud of uh, I to the G, which is uh, Iron Galaxy's Twitter account. And the commitment uh, Joseph J. Brony made to the people that work here when he started and to Jesus Hot Wheels, which is a great Twitter account. <laughs> um, Blasco, I guess, the CEO, COO of Iron Galaxy, upholds to the work-life balance standards to this day. So there are a number of other uh, stories. I'll, li I'll, I'll list those in the, the description of the uh, the podcast. If you want to go down and see people's firsthand accounts of how brutal game development can be, there's a lot of very good uh, a lot of very good people sharing some pretty brutal work conditions that they either created or human beings sort of created on their own, and how damaging those can be. Uh, just a couple of things to mention. So also in the virtual virtual vulture <laughs> redemption vulture yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also in that article, they mention they did 2,200 days of motion capture work compared to just five for Grand Theft Auto 3. That requires 1,200 actors, all SAG-AFTRA, 700 of them with dialogue. Oh my God. Uh, quote, we are the biggest employer of players of actors in terms of numbers of anyone in New York by miles, says Dan. I'd be so, surprised if it wasn't the U.S. Like, yeah. Sounds like 1,200. That's a lot of people. Holy crap. So one thing to weigh in accounting with the offhanded mention of, of long work weeks is that they do hire a lot of union actors and abide by all of those rules, despite that being very expensive. A developer on that level wouldn't be able to get away with doing non-union shoots. Mm. But regardless, uh, so after all this blows up, uh, uh, Dan Hauser issues a comment to Variety trying to clarify what that statement meant. Uh, and here it is, quote, The point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and the dialogue in the game was crafted, which is mostly what we talked about, not about the different processes of the wider team. After working on the game for seven years, the senior writing team, which consists of four people, Mike Unsworth, Rupert Humphreys, Laszlo, and myself, had, as we always do, 
Three works of intense work when we wrapped everything up. Three weeks, not years. We have all worked together for at least 12 years now, and we feel we, we, feel we need this to get everything finished. After so many years of getting everything organized and ready on this project, we needed this to check and finalize everything. More importantly, we obviously don't expect anyone else to work this way. Across the whole company, we have some senior people who work very hard purely because they're passionate about a project or their particular work, and we believe that passion shows in the games we release. But that additional effort is a choice, and we don't ask or expect anyone to work anything like this. Lots of other senior people work in an entirely different way and are just as productive. I'm just not one of them. No one senior or junior is ever forced to work hard. Uh, I believe we go to great lengths to run a business that cares about its people and to make a company a great place for them to work. So after all that said, mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that's where, that's where the discussion doesn't become as easy to throw censure at Rockstar or their work culture. I don't know, I guess individually, what are your experiences with work culture? Have you ever felt actively or passively taken advantage of because of that? And how do you feel about how that relates to this circumstance where there's a culture that permits overwork, doesn't ask it or theoretically encourage it? I don't know, is it people's responsibility to go into someone's office and say, get out, and they're, what, if they're voluntarily working, I don't know where you draw that line. Well, we should mention that uh, a couple of years ago, there was a letter from the wives of Rockstar San Diego that was basically this thing that all of these women had written uh, regarding their husbands who worked at Rockstar San Diego. Uh, complaining about how much they all worked. Okay. So it's this is something along the lines of, it, it seems like Rockstar has had sort of a history of this. It's not just this isolated incident. They like collectively from, came together and wrote that? Yeah, so well, like they work too much, we never see them. Is there something more recent than that? Or is that I don't think it's more recent than that. And okay. they could have obviously adjusted since then, but it's not like this is the first time that this has been uh, spoken about. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm, wives of Rockstar San Diego employees have collected themselves. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like this full letter about how much they work. Um, that I think is interesting. It's a, it's really interesting because the, like this is a living in a capitalist society. <laughs> generally speaking, work and lots of it, hard work, is respected typically. So like when you're when you're coming up, usually you're putting in a lot of hours, or you're watching like your manager or your boss or even another coworker do the same thing, and you're watching them advance. And yeah. that's what Adam Boyes was trying to say. I think. Previously, it's, it's interesting. He's like, now I'm, you know what? I would never do that again. I, I love being with my wife and kids, but what got him there? Yeah, true. And that's that's sort of, and I'm not saying that that it's accepted that we should be doing this, like that we should be like going in 100 hour work weeks or whatever, um, because I've had my own experiences. With that. I'm sure we'll get into it in a few minutes, but um, but who's to say where would we draw that line and what actually got you there? Because now. 15 years, 20 years into his career, Adam can go, it's cool, I'm going to go home and see my wife. But You're what, absolutely right. What about the beginning, though? Mm. Um, and uh, also speaking from a manager perspective, since I'm a manager here, if I see someone working hard, I typically will go, like, if they're, like, here staying late, John Smith did a lot of it, where I would go to John and be like, you need to leave. Stop it. And he's like, no, I'm really enjoying my job. I want to stay and do this. Yeah. And I'd always be like, that's right. a good thing for a manager to do, though. I, I was, I, and I was aware. like, I was like, all yeah. right, you know what, man? If you're doing it, go for it. Yeah. And I, and uh, not speaking to John, but other, I've watched people burn themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that that's going to happen, so I watch that happen, and then later on, I go, oh wait, okay, you know, I saw. I, so it's, but again, free will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, I can give examples people. of that at IGN where. 
So the one time that I was so down to work and sleep only four hours and sleep at the office was when we got Breath of the Wild early. I was like, I don't care. I will cover the hell out of this game. I will finish it before it comes out. Like, Because I was so excited about it that yeah. I was fine with doing that. We were literally sleeping at the office, two of us playing in the same room because we only had two codes, or three, I think. Sleeping there, waking up, doing the same thing the next day. Totally down for it, didn't mind. But Did then you, like, were, play it in your sleep? Basically, but it was really cool. Like, it's one of, like, the best experiences I think I've, like, ever had. And I yeah. will remember it forever because it was three people being so goddamn excited about everything they found in that game sitting in this room that was just, like, sweaty and awful, but just, like, powering through it as a team. And it just, like, it felt good in a way that's, like, that's unhealthy and we shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But it felt good. But then there are also times where I'd be there till 3 a.m. and I would tell my manager and be like, oh, well... Uh, he'd be like, why haven't you left yet? And he'd be like, I have these three things to do. And at no point would he ever be like, let's take that off your plate. He'd be like, that sucks. Well, let's get you more help. See ya. Something like that. <laughs> so it's like there's a balance there, I think, that it can be really hard. And I, people never talk about it because it, it probably doesn't seem as harsh. But games media is totally brutal to work in, in the, for the exact same reasons that development is, in that you can work absurd hours. November is a really hard time for anyone who's reviewing games because you have to play so much and cover so much. But... I think that like games media should also unionize. I know Kotaku is unionized, but it's the same thing. And, and I think it comes from the perception that you're lucky to be here. It's like everyone's like, you're lucky to have your job. You're lucky that you get to do this for a living. And I would totally prefer to, to talk about video games than to be an accountant, so I get it. Mm -hmm. But it just comes from this mentality that employers are like, well, you're replaceable. Everyone wants your job, so we don't care how hard you work. Just keep like going. Constant pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, like, mixed about it. On one hand, I think that everyone should have the right to work as much as they want because some people just legitimately love their job. And I know at Rooster Teeth, we have this mentality of, like, you're responsible for your own shit. Mm. So, like, as long as you get your shit done, like, you're good. You could work X amount of hours or, like, go into the night if you want. Um, the only time that really happened to me was when I was working on RTX back in 2012 to 2015-ish when I was co-directing it with Gus. And there was just two of us, so I would spend a lot of late nights at the office. But I think it's on the managers and like the, the heads of the company to realize that whatever task needs to be done or whatever is being worked on requires either more help or more employees or whatever it is, more time for the project. And it's their responsibility to look at that and see that it's not healthy for this person to be working this many hours yeah. or this group of people to be working. I suspect that some of the games industry has people in management who don't have management experience but are there because they were devs for such a long time. So it's a seniority yeah. thing rather than people who are actually good managers. And I think that is probably those people breeding the same culture that's like, if you work 100 hours, you'll impress me, so you got to keep doing it. But like, for example, I'm like we spoke about streaming Red Dead when we're allowed to, and I was like, I'll come in at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. But like that would be like outside of work hours, but I'm like, I want to do it. But it's something you love to do. Don't care. Well, yeah. right, and that's the, that's the catch, I think, with Dan at Rockstar. I don't know the way all of Rockstar is, but it sounds like he's just like, we wanted to be That's there for 100-hour weeks, for three weeks, four weeks, and just knock this out because mm -hmm. we were super excited about this video game and making this video game. And I, th I think the, the real key, the real crux of the whole matter, is that it's not consistent. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if it's like Feast or Famine, so like, yeah, Breath of the Wild, Red Dead Redemption, you're going to come in and do, you know, 100-hour weeks for those two or three weeks at most. But you're not going to do that every single week yeah. for a year. It's yeah. the nature of the job. There's some jobs right. that people right. understand when they s not sign up for it, but when they go into that field, they understand the nature of it. Like there will be crunch times. There will be times when you are miserable working 100-hour weeks or whatever it is. But then when that game is is done with and you have some time off and you have lulls and ups and downs. Yeah, you come in and, and you work a normal day. It's like a nine to five or whatever, and you're like, oh, thank God. Like this is the this is the famine part of it. It's not the feast where you were in for three weeks, four weeks, killing yourself. Yeah. Ideally, that's the way a salaried job should work. Yeah. Because you don't, you're not paid hourly, 
like some QA testers, I, they are paid hours. I remember yeah. I, I actually got a job at EA, never took it, or never ended up starting, but got a job at uh, EA as a QA tester, and it was hourly. Um, but a lot of QA testers that I had talked to had said they were just going to go in and they were going to work their normal eight or nine hour day, and then they would just stay and not get paid wow, for the yeah. other hours they worked wow. because they wanted to put in the time and get noticed and yeah. the whole deal. It works, by the way. Everyone yeah. notices. Um, but it's something that, like, yeah, I guess it, you know, it's like if you enjoy it and I, and you're single or whatever, you're not, you're not killing yourself, killing your health and all that other stuff, and you want to do it, I guess go well, ahead. You're with yeah. someone who understands. It seems yeah. like from okay. the top down that it would have to change, that you would have to rethink that hours put in should not mean you get a promotion. Quality of your work should mean you get a promotion, yeah, but that's yeah. really hard to quantify. And I just remember there's an Australian saying about Americans, because it might be an American thing, that's <laughs> Australians work to live and Americans to live to, to work. work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a thing that everyone says all the time because Americans tend to work constantly, earn less money, and take less vacation because it's like 10 days here or something. It's really it's four weeks. On, so on it's like, it's just so different. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally different. Yeah. yeah. I don't get, yeah, given American work culture, I don't get how, I mean, maybe it is, I guess I'm speaking completely out of my depth here, but I feel like with as much as Americans work and as furiously as they work, they should dominate like every field, all of them. I mean, it doesn't seem like that's true, though. Americans will dominate every yeah. field, but Japanese still GD- do it though too, right? Yeah, that's true. GDP though typically Chinese ends up well. being some of the highest in the world. That's true. It's just I, I mean, guess all the just, money's just going somewhere else. Well, and, and that's the that's sort of the thing is that like again, I'm like we're not we're not economists here. Is there that's true. any place in the happens. world that has a four day work week? Is there, that something that exists? I somewhere? think there are places in Europe that have four day work. There are also yeah. businesses here that try, have tried that. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually many times thought about that here. Because yeah. um, I was like, I wonder what would, because I would, man, two, a three day weekend is the best. Yeah. yeah. It feels I like love it. a treat every time it happens. Oh, it's the best. Well, like today I came in late and it was way easier because I've written the entire of Gaming Weekly. Because mm-hmm. I oh, could do it from home. You yeah, get yeah, shit done way faster, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like I've written, well, I've written two of the, the three stories that we'll have and it's done. And it's like, you can't do that otherwise. And that's yeah. the thing that I always tried to do at IGN and the job I had before that, be like, can I just have one day where I just write stuff? But it generally tended to be easier that I would go to a coffee shop nearby so I could still like come in for meetings or whatever. But that is a thing that I feel like more companies are slowly adapting to, I think. The working from home. They're trying. Yeah, yeah, because you can be way more productive when you don't have people around you. Yeah. So many dogs in this office. They're all so cute. Yeah, they're blowing <laughs> up. Very distracting. We got a puppy now. Benson has it's a like, cone around his head. They're so good. Yeah. I think there are six dogs here today. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they're all so well behaved. They are. Yeah. It's still very distracting. Yesterday, yeah. Adam and I were having a conversation, and your puppy walked past the door. Adam, mid conversation, went, Oh, is that the puppy? and ran out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> he just was gone. Jeez. Walked back in and was like, Anyway. So, what you're saying is more puppies at Rockstar. More puppies yeah, at Rockstar. Then they, they get breaks. It's like forced breaks on the Yeah, it's like around. the new smoke break. <laughs> Go pet a dog. So, that's, that's something that I was curious about. So, yes, if we unleashed a wave of puppies at Rockstar, mm-hmm. I'm sure that quality of life would go way up because how could it not? However, would everyone be okay with that being tied to like now Red Dead 2 comes out a year later? Oh, you mean like the consumer? Yeah. Gotcha. And and because it takes longer to make, you're spending more on personnel hours and stuff, suddenly it's now $80. Like, mm. I wonder if the people that are baying on Twitter about it, they're very upset, would they be willing to endure the consequence of being nicer? <laughs> because this product exists because people are working on it. Yeah. And it's coming out when it is because people yeah. are working on it. So I, I don't think Take-Two is publicly traded. They are. They are? They are, yeah. So that's a, a thing that I, I often wonder if 
companies that are publicly traded versus private companies, does that affect release dates more? Because I know it was a hit for Ubisoft That's when they point. delayed Watch Dogs because they are not public. I don't remember which one, but it's like... They have investor calls for sure. Yeah, but some of them who are publicly traded, it pisses people off when you delay something. Absolutely, it does. And 100%. that's really the only way you can go around it. So it's, you know, if it affects the stock market, but for those who are privately traded, it's people who are mad on Twitter. It's a PR disaster if you have to delay something. So people are like, I would prefer that you get this goddamn game out right now, whereas... Most people who work in the industry, the attitude is like, no, please delay it. Don't kill people yeah. for this. But it's, like, it's hard for people to understand. Rather face the wrath of the people who feel empathetic towards these people or, or the people who want their game and want it They pre-ordered it, right? Yeah. And it's like they feel like they were promised something. And I kind of wish that everyone would just announce things later than they do. I think Bethesda's gotten really good at that. Privately traded company, Zenimax, so they're, they're different. But they basically announce something and then release it four months later. And it like, works really well Lawrence, for them. Lawrence, you pose a fantastic question. You're elevating the discourse, which is, if you were to say, this game comes out a year later and it's $80, but the rest of the people that work on it are treated humanely and we can sort of prove that, are you okay with that audience? People in the comments right now, are you okay with that? <laughs> because that's something that you really have to think about. Think about that from your perspective. Think about it as like, well, am I willing to wait another year in order that people actually have normal lives? I don't know. I think or, most yeah. people would say no. Really? You think yeah, so? I don't think most people think about it. I think people would people want the reality without acknowledging the consequence. Yeah. So if you ask them the question, they'd say, of course. But when it comes to like actually surviving that year and paying more, they'd say no. It's kind of like the the whole like trade-off. Everyone agrees, oh, schools are great. Raise taxes, fuck no. That's mm. kind of like oh, right, yeah. you're fine yeah. until it actually has a consequence on you, Artifact, or in yeah. this case your entertainment. Um, I think games are just a lot harder to make than people realize. That is absolutely true. And crunch is a lot more brutal (laughs) than people realize. And that um, I did a no clip documentary about Dream Daddy, which is made by the Game Grumps here in LA. And because you know they're effectively indie, they're self-published, but still it's still a known company. But they were the first team I've ever interviewed who really candidly spoke about crunch because they don't have PR, so they were just very open about talking about it. And it, it was like kind of gut-wrenching, like, they were talking about, like, crying at the office and people breaking down and, like, yelling at each other in this period of time. And for them, it was a lot of pressure to release because that's what they had told the public. Like, they had told people they would be doing it, and when they delayed for, I think, two days, people were furious at them. You have all eyes on you. Just getting death threats, and they're like, we have to get this game out. So it's like they're being harassed or also crying and just being mad at each other, and it just sounds so awful. That's probably very common, though. I I think so. They're just the only people to willingly talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people in chat are very supportive of, of games having longer time and more staff. I wonder. I mean, you guys right, in chat, I'm sure. But, uh, These the, are the good people. <laughs> yes, you guys are the good ones. Uh, the, the thing that I, I think I can empathize with in regards to understanding that pressure, or even that assumed pressure, is when it comes to like finishing an edit on time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, back when we were at Machinima, for sure. I mean, every Friday we'd be there until 8, 9, because we were starting a new thing. And we were all on board with putting that, in, putting that effort in there. But, you know... Once, I mean, temperatures run hot. It's kind of like a band being on a tour bus together. You're just crammed in with a people in a stressful situation. And having you start flaring up at people, pressuring you to yeah. deliver. Yeah, and you, yeah, you 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 feel that implied pressure on behalf of the audience. Yeah, it's not that people are yelling at you on Twitter, but they will know if a video is late or doesn't go up on time. So you you feel that on yourself. Like it's, it's also the worst difficult. thing about reviewing games. Yeah, mm. like you can get a code. I Telltale games sucked to review because you would get a code 6 p.m. Friday because that's when they finished it. You play it over the weekend. You got to play it three times generally to make sure that you're seeing all the different choices. And then you have to write the review and then you have to have it up Monday morning. So you have to do all your capture, do all your edit. And that amount of time, it's just like every time that I get one on a Friday, I'd be like, fuck, 
Exactly. And also do a review that everyone agrees with. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's, you, you can't win. And I feel like game reviews, are, it seems like such a fun thing to do until you actually have to do it a lot. And then, like, my Assassin's Creed Origins review was, uh, it was an event. So we had to go there and play it and then leave. And it was five days. And the game took, like, 45 hours to finish. And you're just sitting in this room playing it while also having to figure out how to write it and everything that you need to capture. Just in this goddamn room, just like, oh. I think that's the biggest problem is that no, unless you're physically doing it, no one will truly understand the amount of work that goes into such as reviewing games, developing games, editing, whatever it is. Um, it probably applies for, to everything. Though. To everything. People will yeah. be like, Bobby, you just, you just sit on a podcast once a week. What do yeah. you do for a well, living? It's like like, a, well, actually. Doing all, like, I've done the social media for Rooster Teeth. Um, now I'm just the director, so I don't actually physically do it, which is great to have employees. <laughs> but someone, I remember multiple people would just say, like, oh, you just, you're just on Twitter all day. You just post tweets. And I'm like, I wish I could describe yeah. to you what goes into all this and this process and how, like, managing every different aspect of it and every different department and every different project and show and event and all this stuff um, in a way where everyone will know the information at all times. Because yeah. if one person didn't see a tweet that we made about something, this person doesn't know. So yeah. we have to manage all the communication. And trying to explain that to someone who's never had that experience, there's really no empathy there. Totally. No, that applies to most trades. Yeah. You know, if you're an accountant yeah. or you know, if you work at the NFL or if you like something like that, those they're all things that I think people are putting in 60, 80 hour weeks and you just don't realize it. Yep. You're like, you know, like the there are very few professions that I think we can see everything out on the field. Um, and probably, you know, like I, football, I, sports are actually a really good analogy for me because it's like, you, everyone kind of knows how to play a sport, right? You, you, see, you know how to play yeah. football, you play, know how to play basketball. I'm not saying you're good at it, you just know how. And then you realize how many hours of practice it yeah. took to get to be that good. Or just even developing one single skill within that sport. Yeah, how just shooting free throws. We yeah. went to, uh, we were in Vegas this weekend and we oh went to gosh. a live show. And some of the dances were insane. Like, bathtub guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big no fan. Now I need to know that bathtub guy. Oh, I wish I could know him better. <laughs> I followed him on Instagram. We both followed yeah. him on Instagram. Some of them were so, so, so good and they do guy. two shows a night and people would be like, that's their job, they just do two shows a night and then they dance for 10 minutes. It's like they probably rehearse constantly all day, oh, every day. Absolutely. Exercising too. Years to get like as good as they get. Like it's so, so, so hot and it was funny there were these two dudes sitting in the row behind us oh, gosh, who just kept guys. being like, look at that chick's ass and just like the whole time. But we're like, sure, but she has that ass because because that's <laughs> she's she's been doing it's it for point. five years. It's her job is being like strong. It's, <laughs> yep, it's yeah. insane. She worked hard. Yeah, everything's just so she much harder. Hard and ass. she came out of the womb like that. Yeah. Probably just with that ass. They all did have nice butts. Yeah. <laughs> bathtub Dancers guy man. included. Oh man, yeah. good god, bathtub guy. <laughs> he was swinging through a bathtub, kicking up water, spraying it everywhere. Sounds awesome. It was spinning great. around. He naked? He Almost. had jeans on, which were also wet. Wet jeans. Yeah. That it added to it. Really He did like hair flicks. At one point he spat water on people and there was one girl who was like across from us but ahead of us who was like, I want him to spit on me. <laughs> <laughs> Make me wet. <laughs> oh, he already did. Jeez. <laughs> uh, you got very off track there. But no, point being, right. every, everything is hotter than people think it is. Yeah. Including me. Crunch is terrible but I After also... <laughs> but I also <laughs> understand... He needs to post on Instagram more. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I also understand why a group of four people would want to work extra hours because there are times why I want to do that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, take a brief aside to hear from one of our sponsors, Amazon Prime, which lets you uh, subscribe to individual channels. So if you can ever get away from work long enough to watch a movie or a TV series, you can do that through Amazon Prime and save money doing it. 
Uh, so you can basically create the lineup you want. This is, I remember people calling for a la carte TV services like five, six years ago. It's here, it's totally here. Uh, all you can do is just go on to Amazon Prime. Uh, if you use our vanity URL, try primechannels.com slash dudesoup. Scroll through, look at all the channels you want. Each day has a, each channel has a free seven day trial. And that includes channels like Showtime, Stars, HBO, CBS, All Access, Noggin, PBS Kids, PBS Masterpiece, Acorn TV, BritBox, the list goes on. So that's uh, premium movies in addition to custom content, all of which you can just get a la carte. It's just a weekly thing that is lumped in with Amazon Prime. You do have to be a Prime member first to get to, to get Prime Video, base Prime Video, and then you just stack the channels on top of that. Um, personally, I'm subscribed to HBO and Showtime. HBO for the movies and the custom content. Showtime because they just launched Kidding, uh, which I'm really excited to start watching. I haven't seen it yet, but they also have Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, <gasps> so they got me there. It's one of my favorite movies. It's so good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> I, uh, it's weird because I really liked the uh, the soundtrack when I was a kid, so I had it on cassette. <laughs> but then I went back and watched it like a month ago, and I was like, holy shit, this movie holds up. It really does. It's so good. So yeah, if you want to watch Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, that's on Showtime. Also, Baby I'm Driver. I'm Mary. <laughs> uh, and then Showtime also has Who is America, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's new new thing. So I didn't know that they had CBS All Access either. And I've been really curious to try Star, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and now that it's through Amazon Prime, I can basically keep everything in one place before I would have to go to CBS's website and, oh, clicking on two things is just too hard for me. So now hopefully I can actually maybe get through Star Trek in seven days. Just get that trial, blaze on through it, and that way I don't have to accidentally fund young Sheldon. Living the dream. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, I got a lot of, I'm, I'm on a whole cardio kick now, so I got a lot of time to kill. Maybe I can watch Star Trek. That would be the most nerdy thing in the world, by the way. How are those things related? Because I can watch Star oh, Trek. Oh, while you're doing your Yeah, just like an exercise bike or something. I understand. That's my thing. Uh, but it's super easy to, to do. Basically, you can either scroll through the channel list, or if you just find the show you want, it'll tell you what, net, what channel that show is a part of, and then you can just sign up on it straight through the watch page. Uh, and it, since it's Prime Video, it plays on anything that plays Prime Video. So if you have like a media device, anything like that, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, whatever you uh, can watch Prime Video through, all of these channels will go through that as well. Uh, again, you only pay for the channels you want, seven day free trial for each channel, over 100 channels. You can see those at tryprimechannels.com slash dudesoup. One more time, that's tryprimechannels.com slash dudesoup. So thank you, Amazon Prime, for the sponsorship. Uh, hopefully Dude people aren't overworking there. Uh, Amazon? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, widely documented they are. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, I feel like Amazon is the one big one. It's easy to go on Twitter and be like, your factory workers only paid $8, but how many of those people have Amazon Prime? I think they recently updated the... Uh, sorry, announced that they're, they're updating the minimum wage. They, they, they are. Yeah. But they're also taking away bonuses and things like that. Mm. What is minimum wage in the U.S.? Or is it different in every state? State by state. Yeah. yeah. The, the more conservative the state, the closer it is. to. There is a federal minimum wage, and then states can set it higher if they want to. Okay. What's but the yeah. federal one? Uh, like so whatever six? Texas is usually. Uh, it was like eight. It could be eight. Yeah. I could be wrong. It did get bumped a while ago. It's yeah. my first job out of... 725. Oof. Yeah, my first Ouch. job out of university, I was earning $18 an hour. And then I came here and was like, you can earn $6 How? an hour? Yeah. It was just a call center. It was my, a crappy job. It's just the, the wages are higher. I worked at a Burger King, my first job, from the age of 15 to 17, and I was making like ten twenty-five. Yeah. And when I heard that minimum wage here, I think at the time was like 5 or $6. Yeah, I'm, I was making five twenty-five an hour for my first job. Oh, my gosh. How That's does a anybody like, get by damn. on that? that? I mean, it was back, you know, a long time ago. Sure. Back when you could buy a house for $20,000. years no. ago. That was back when uh, gas was under a dollar a gallon. Damn. I know. Even I still, hard to do. I mean, I, it's old. It's really <laughs> crow's feet. Yeah. Mine was, I think, six something. 
But uh, and you want to talk about bad work cultures? I was at GameStop, and I guess I guess I could have quit at any time. But basically, once holidays started, like from from Black Friday to New Year's Day, I would work cl- open to close shifts by myself, which is weird because I was supposed to be allowed to break, and they just didn't do that. Yeah. Or if I if, what was I supposed to do? Like lock the store for thirty minutes and then go sleep. Yeah, in the GameStop is. Like, I worked there as well, and some of the bad stuff about working there is, like, you know, I was still in school. I was a kid when I was working there. And they would have meetings once a week, and they would just make you clean the store during the meetings, which would be, like, after hours, like, 9 p.m. That's awesome. No, it was terrible. They'd be like, all right, we're having a company meeting, so everyone has to go in on their off hours. You have to clean the goddamn store for the manager, and then you have, like, a sit-down for 15 minutes. And it was like, I'm not getting paid for this, but you lose your job if you don't go. Ours was nowhere near that bad. I mean, aside, I mean, I had to do all the cleaning. Basically, they made one person run the entire store. Yeah. Which, I had Sundays by myself. Do they still do that? Yeah, it's not not an easy place to work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There was EB Games for me, but... I think it's yeah. the same yeah. thing. You can. Well, that's a good example of like competition creating shitty work conditions. Yeah. Because everybody oh, they just sit around and play video games all day. No. With them, it's also KPIs. Like, uh-huh. if you don't pre order this, get this many pre orders in this amount of time, then you're fired. It's like, I can't make people do things. So they had this culture of making people lie. Like, they would be like, oh, well, if you pre order this, you get something special. And then they wouldn't when they picked it up. <laughs> but like, people would lie to customers just to make them pre-order shit. Yeah. It's insane. Would you also get threatened with the like secret shopper that would come in? Yeah. Like, like, yeah you're, we're going to have a secret shopper sometime this week so be on your best behavior. I don't behavior. know if that ever happened. I doubt it, yeah. Yeah. And They probably just said it to us every yeah. week. Yeah. I had to clean the Burger King all the time. Oh. I remember every the first shift. time I cleaned up vomit at McDonald's when I worked there. I didn't know how to do it and so I just like sort of put a mop on this chunky vomit. <laughs> just switched <laughs> it around. Is this right? I think the, the parent of the kid that had thrown up was like, you're not doing this right. Like, How do you clean up vomit? you got to pick up the chunks. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you have to actually like use, it's like cleaning up like blood yeah. or something like that, where you have to use the paper towel to soak it oh. up. And then, you know, put it in a bowl and throw it away. Yeah. Totally. Did you have like latex gloves or anything? Well, the dad ended up picking up all the vomit, and then I just <laughs> with the mop on the rest of it. Mm. It's like when you squish a bug and you don't want to feel the bug. Oh, I hate that. It's like with vomit. Like, I don't want to feel... the bits. It's like picking up dog poop or something. Yeah. Same feel. That's why I can't have a dog. It's it's actually very tough. It's very tough. Especially if it's diarrhea. Anyway, take us out of here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess... I don't know if you guys have... Help. (laughs) (laughs) Aside aside from cleaning a vomit at a a McDonald's, there is a a particular... Bruce, I know you've got one, and I'd I'd like to hear about it, but... I have a couple. Mine... My, like... I guess the closest that could be described to crunch is I worked for a I worked for a banking software company, and they were customizing teller software for a bank in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So we were near deployments. So they flew they flew the, us. I was on the dev team. They flew us out to Green Bay, put us up in this hotel, gave us one rental car, and uh, essentially we would work on site with this bank, customize like doing change requests and stuff to customize this generic software for their bank specifically. Um, and yeah, we were just in like generic cubicles with a little post-it with our name on it. And we would go and work like 18-hour days. And since there was one car, there was no way to leave. And there was nothing to do in Green Bay. So it was just the atmosphere sort of created this terrible condition where essentially you just wake up, go to work, get off work. I would just go sit in the hot tub at the hotel for like 20 minutes and then go to sleep. And that was my daily cycle. And it just, it eats away your soul. Yeah. How long did you do it for? That was about three months. 
That's uh, a long time. It's about Some, three months too long. Yeah. Sometimes I get like shore leave. They fly me home over the weekend. Jeez. But I'd like get in Saturday afternoon. The whole time super depressed because I'd just be looking at the clock knowing that I had to go back in like 24 hours. Yeah. Damn. Get back on a plane, fly back up. And just super cold, really depressing. What didn't get along super well with my work team either. Well, that's not good. So yeah, it was so just... had nothing going for it. Kind of no. I got a lot of reading done. Was the pay okay? Yeah, actually, but... Did they you pay did... you overtime? No, but they did give me a bonus that did not remotely equate to the amount of hours worked. Yeah. Um, $25. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I just... Yeah, it was... Uh... Oh, man. I, yeah, I got through some books, but that's the best I can say for that. It, I, I will say that experience did make it absolutely clear to me that I didn't want to stay in that. Yeah. Um, the irony is that I then flipped to contributing hundreds of thousands of hours into something I did care about, all of which was unpaid to start at least. It's when I really ramped up blogging and shit, uh, writing about video games newsletter. and trying to get into that. Yeah. Well, that, that was the first big break. You had a newsletter? Oh, yeah. The well, Inside, Inside Gaming, Gaming newsletter. newsletter. Oh. Yeah. I wanted it to be like the Lawrence Sontag. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it was because nobody read it. I got to do whatever I wanted. I got to dig some of those out. Uh, but yeah. Inside Gaming started up a blog, and that just about got me to where I could pay my rent just off that. But those were lean times, salad days. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, then the newsletter somehow created a full-time position for me in L.A., so I moved out for that. Still paid garbage. I think it was like 35 k a year. That was before you moved back to Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. moved back to Dallas to start a family. Yeah. You see how well that turned out, because here I am, single. Uh, but, Daddy! Yeah. There might be some out there. Uh, but yeah, we're going to need a big old DNA test. So yeah, Mr. O'Crab says there's so much cheese to eat in Wisconsin. I did eat a lot of cheese curds, but I was also like three times as overweight then as I am now. So gorging on cheese didn't do a whole lot of wonders for my like self-image and self-esteem. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't a whole lot to do. Also, there's a lot of beer. And uh, Green Bay paraphernalia, or Packers paraphernalia. Should yeah, say. did you go see a game? No, because I didn't. Right. I, didn't, didn't do it. I cared less about football then than I do now, and oh, yeah. I barely care about it now. Yeah. But yeah, there was like every restaurant had a shrine to Brett Favre, like as you walked in. Yeah, big fan. Just like a napkin that he like, like he, like laminated it and put it on the wall. Big fans in Green Bay. Yeah, it was it was an experience. But I, I know that you got you got yeah. some shit, man. I mean, I have a uh, I have a lot of experiences. Um, <laughs> the uh, this is the beginning of like so when I worked at Attack of the Show. This is. I, Kind of a matter of public knowledge, but when I worked at Attack of the Show, uh, again, it's the same deal where I was a segment producer, and there were a lot of segment producers on that show. And it was the show was a daily, hour long live show. So Monday through Friday, there was an hour long live show that we had to uh, sustain, and I did it for almost five years, so four and a half years. What was your job on it? Uh, I was I was a segment producer, so I would produce segments of the show. Gotcha. So like four minutes of the show were mine, and I had to like you know figure out how to. Actually, my segment was gadget review. I would review gadgets editorially. So I had to not only not only did I have to produce a segment of the show, but I also had to review gadgets. I, I mean, like these are like actual reviews that were part of Metacritic scores and things like that that I had to do in four hours. Um, <laughs> and it was like one of those things where I was like, "Man, if I ever fuck this up, it's going to be really bad." Yeah. And, I, and I really never did majorly. There were a couple of, like smaller fuck ups, but um, and so that. That job bred pressure. Like there was that's there was just a constant pressure over you. Never, I did never have ten minutes to myself. Like that was, and I worked normal hours nine to six, but I was in at eight thirty. I was leaving at seven, eight, nine, ten. Sometimes there were edits that would uh, we would go from we would do a normal normal day nine to six, 
and then go like, okay, we well, have to edit this show. This is a pre-tape that airs the next day, but it has to edit tonight. So yeah. we would stay from nine till about three a.m. and then I'd come in the next morning at nine. That happened once a month for about two years. Um, yeah. So I've, I've said this publicly before, but the IGN show, the the show that we did for Disney, was a daily show. Was the worst professional experience of my life. The three months that we made that show, thinking about doing that for several years. Yeah. That's what I did. Because I was a segment producer day. and a host on that, and it was just like I remember there was there was one day where I was like, "Hey, uh, I have to have a business call with this company or whatever," and they were like, "Okay, you can do that on your lunch break," and I was like, "That's not how lunch breaks work." Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was no, like no. a day that I had migraines and I was throwing up. Still had to come in and shoot the show. It like, didn't matter. It, oh, and I, I traveled six weeks in a row, no weekend, and I remember having a conversation with uh, like one of the executive producers and was like, "When am I going to have time to see my boyfriend?" And they were like. That's the job. Just Your like, lunch break. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. it was. It was real bad. No. Yeah. I mean, like I, I should say, the people I worked with were amazing because they all did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, and they were badass coworkers, just incredibly talented individuals that all moved on to much bigger and better things. Um, and that's what everybody did on that show. That's yeah. just part of the. That was for, for sure the same. Part of the deal. Say, yeah. uh, except my job, and a lot of the other same producers were supposed to be. They, according to the laws of California, should have been. Uh, overtime jobs. They should have been hourly paid. So if we had worked 12-hour days or 15-hour days or whatever, they should have been paid overtime. They weren't. We were all salaried. Um, and I remember, because like the, the point of a salary job, if you talk to anybody who has a, it's a white-collar job versus a blue-collar job, white-collar jobs are typically salary, and they usually say, well, it's feast or famine. So sometimes you're working 80-hour weeks for four, four weeks or two months or three months or whatever, but then you'll have two or three months that are pretty light. So you can come in for a few hours. But here you and never there. had that, I never imagine. Never had it. Yeah. Never had it. So it was for just how long? For about four and a half years. So it was God. just like this. It was like this. It was like a literally a just sustained line Ugh. of like I was like, please. Yeah. I, I remember. I remember when I left that job. It felt like I had graduated college. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I thank God I made it out alive. Like I couldn't. I just couldn't believe it. How did you do four years of that? Because it, not having three months killed me. A uh, lull at all would actually kill me. <laughs> I don't know. Are you okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like I, I, I learned to cherish the other things in life. Yeah. So like in the sense that I know now what a what a hard working job is. Um, but also, so at the end of that, uh, all of us kind of came out of that being like, that was totally illegal. That had to have yeah. been illegal, right? So uh, one of my friends who was a segment producer at uh, G4 and now has, he's a fantastic producer, works for Microsoft. Um, he was like, I'm pretty sure that was illegal. I'm going to talk to a lawyer and get together a class action lawsuit. And that's what we did. Um, we got together a class action lawsuit against uh, NBC Universe at the time, which I could, it still would be. Um, and they immediately, it was like one of those things where like, they were immediately wanted to settle. Oh, wow. like, because they knew. Um, they knew that we had all been working ridiculous overtime hours. Wow. And, uh, and it was like a, it was funny because like, we all submitted time cards for basically the hours that we thought we had worked overtime over the course of four years. And, I mean, it was thousands, it was just, yeah, it was it was thousands and thousands of hours thousands. that they, there was no, like, if they had paid me out, I would have made 250 grand or something, right? Yeah. They didn't. Um, it was like, you know, they knocked it down from, you know, whatever amount to whatever amount to whatever, like all the way down. Not a bad payout, but it wasn't worth what I worked. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, it's the thing that gets you is, um, I spoke about this on the podcast when we were talking about the telltale thing, that someone's tweet was something along the lines of like, no matter how much overtime I put in and all that time that I spent away from my family, I still got laid off. It's like a thing that, that 100%. stuck with me. Because like you can work all that, all those hours, but then you look back at it and you're like, huh, I didn't do anything except work. 
Yeah. That, I think that's what my first year in the U.S. was like, is like I don't associate... Like, I feel like I never lived in San Francisco because I lived at IGN. Like, I feel like I didn't live in that city at all. I was always just there. It's like, it's so weird to think about. And I had plenty of, like, awesome experiences there, but so much of it is just like, didn't really have a life, didn't really do very much, just work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what it was. I, I, I started looking at it from another perspective, which was I made a lot of really good connections with people there. For sure. Um, I also made it so that it's very rare that pressure gets to me now mm. because I, I kind of made it through that. Uh, you also probably have like good time management because you had to. I know I had to. The skills that you learned. Trial by fire, yeah. I mean, good at coming up with segments. Um, <laughs> I'm good at coming up with segments for shows. Yeah, I, it was just like one of those things where like I, I look back now and go like, yeah, you know, I get it. That was part of my life. It should have been part of my life. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that it was. But also, um, realize when you're getting taken advantage of. Mm. Uh, one of the other things that I realized, like I thought about it logically from a company perspective, not from the person's perspective of the company. I was always like, why would a company allow all of these employees to work so much overtime and never pay them out? They must know that they're gonna like sue and they must know they're gonna be unhappy and blah, blah, blah. And what I realized was when I submitted my time cards, like, oh, you're gonna pay me 200 grand, sure. They saved money on all of those people and then got all those hours out of me because even if they get sued, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't affect NBC Universal, right? Nobody cares. Still gonna watch NBC. Mm. And then also, they made money on me, right? Because they didn't pay me out nearly what I had actually made. Mm -hmm. So that's a win-win for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the worst situation, which is what in the worst you tried to press them on. It's the only thing you could do is, I guess, refuse to wouldn't. accept any settlement. Yeah, most people wouldn't. Go to trial, like contact media companies, try to make a whole storm about it. That's yeah. so much effort on and your they, part. They Even know you would probably won't do that. Yeah. So well, they still get more of your life. Yeah, and we, I mean, we didn't. We hired a lawyer, but it was like, but we settled. Yeah. So we didn't go to trial or do any yeah. of that stuff. Um, yeah. It's good that so, you did that. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I'm, I'm really glad. Uh, his name was Sean. Uh, he was the one that headed it up, and I'm in debt to him yeah. th to this very day. I'm really glad that he organized that whole thing. I'm really glad you got your $25. I, hey, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I had a nice dinner that night. <laughs> a, a mediocre <laughs> Almost dinner. Almost paid for it. No alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Really Double big chicken McDonald's. on the Chipotle bowl. Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, if you got some stress to get out because you're working long hours, you might want to look into Beachbody, another sponsor of this podcast. So Beachbody On Demand is an online service, sort of like any other video platform you may, may be familiar with, except it has all the breadth of Beachbody's workout programs, including uh, some uh, like nutrition guides and then uh, support forums and stuff like that. If you feel like you might be working out wrong, you want tips on forms, stuff like that. So they say they have hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels. It's pretty cool. You can do bodybuilding, weight training, cardio, hit or high intensity, uh, to yoga and even dance workouts. I've been a fan of the yoga stuff recently because I, you know, I still go to the gym. I lift my weights, but uh, I've been realizing the older that I get that my body kind of isn't really toned top to bottom. Uh, a lot of garbage, a lot of garbage muscles that I never use that are way weaker than they need to be. Garbage. Muscles. Yeah. So I've been I've been doing a lot of resistance band stuff lately. It's not very. It's not very, it's not, it's about as masculine as a dude holding a baby, which as Piers Morgan told us all is the most feminine thing you can do. Uh, so I've been getting my, my, e, my E levels up, my estrogen's popping out, but uh, it's still, it's still really worth it and it has done wonders for my general feeling of uh, well-being and also my balance and posture and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so basically, long story short is whatever gap you feel like is in your fitness life right now, you can certainly fill that in with something on Beachbody On Demand. You can also access anywhere and anytime since it's on the internet. I do a lot of like just off my phone. Whenever I do my yoga routine, I'll just throw the phone on the ground like right in front of me so I can hear it and look up at it. It's actually easier to see something on the ground than to uh, arch up and look at a TV. 
So yeah, I've been I've been doing uh, weekend warrior workouts with my boy Ted. Uh, we're getting very we're getting very intimate with each other. I like the phase of like a workout video when you know exactly what somebody's going to say and how every time. Uh, every time he drops that namaste on me, I say it right back. I got your back, You're Ted. You're like, namaste right here with you. Yeah, right here, Ted. Oh, nice part. <laughs> Damn it. Took me a second. <laughs> oh, I feel so proud. I feel so proud that you dropped a, a barber quality pun, pun on, on this podcast. I saved it just for you. Man. Thank you. I appreciate Terrible. it. Uh, I'm also going to do the three-week yoga retreat, which is supposed to be like a, a three-week thing. I'm going to become a full-on yogi, so get, get ready for that. I'm going to be walking around barefoot with a yoga mat on my back. He's not. Hell yeah. Put my hair in ponytails. Hell yeah. Can't wait. How are you going to do that? Uh, just get it. Just pull it. Life finds a way. Alana. Do you know what a ponytail is? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Never mind. You got it. I'll get the little like Spice Girl nubs. That'll be me. Okay. Uh, nubs. <laughs> what are those called? They, like, pigtails? Point it yeah, up pigtails. And, but no, when you like pull it up and then loop it back around so there's oh, like a ball. Like a bun. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. Like the Naomi one or it's just still, the, It's still never called a nub. Yeah, wow. I would just call them like a bunch of mini bu- buns. Mini buns. Maybe it should be. Maybe it should be called a nub. New trend. Think about that. I don't like it. Uh, so right now you can get a special free trial membership to Beachbody On Demand including their 14 day results plan which again they claim could lose up to 9 pounds. I guess if you consider that the maximum possible amount that a human being could lose before dying, that's, that's possible. That's a lot. That's a lot. I would say in two weeks, three, probably a good safe, and that's still a lot. Yeah. That's still a lot. But try not to lose nine. But yeah, if you, yeah, maybe if you're carrying a whole lot of water Unless weight. Unless you got a lot of weight to lose. Yeah, yeah. and that may be true. So yeah, yeah but if you, uh, if you get on some, some good workouts and change your diet, uh, you, I think you might be surprised at the speed at which your body responds. Um, but keep your expectations realistic. But you can still check out Beachbody On Demand by texting DUDE to 303030. So that's just the number, 303030. Just text the word D-U-D-E to that to get your uh, full access free trial. All for free. So again, that's DUDE to 303030. Yeah, thank you Beachbody On Demand. I used to do Beachbody Workout. Which one did you do? I did a Turbo Jam. Ooh. It's it's one of the older ones, but it was... Like knee raises and punches? It's a lot of like punches and a lot of like ab stuff and rocking back and forth. I had a lot of fun with it. I did it in in, uh, college, not Mm. high school. Oh, man. Yeah. It takes me back. Maybe I should get into that stuff. Lately, I've just been exercise biking and like found a place where I can wedge my switch into the bike. So I'm just like biking and (laughs) flailing my arms around. But maybe doing some high energy punches and kicks uh, will also set me straight. Yeah, it really, really works. Mm. All right, so speaking of empathy, I recall you guys talking about how it's difficult to empathize with somebody without knowing anything about what they do. But a certain, <laughs> almost got through it. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to make a joke. A certain gentleman taught me how to empathize this week. That's right. Uh, we have a special, a special story to share with you. It's one of Lars's lads. Oh. Uh, is here now. Omar, what? please. Thank you. Lars' lads is a, a thing where Lawrence picks somebody that he likes. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> and that's it. Like one person a week? Yeah, basically. Well, it depends. Depends I like the face. on what I can find. Well, it wasn't one of them that guy who set up traps? Yes, there was a guy who set up... To motor people? Very deadly Home Alone-style traps in his house he because cool. he was being sued by his mom uh, for, for, like, elderly abuse. Lost the case, so he had to sell his house. They let him out of jail for two weeks to prepare the home for sale. In those two weeks, instead, he just rigged up in a variety of death traps in the house. Awesome. Like so there was a wheelchair in, that had... Yeah, had a shotgun in yeah. it that actually shot a cop. He, he, he put a hot tub on its side that was supposed to roll down a hill at Indiana Jones style and Whoa. crush people. No one died. But anyway, that was one of Lars's lads. That's rad. Mm, for that's, being an asshole. You know what you're in for. So this one uh, seems bad on Bruce the surface. Green. <laughs> <laughs> this one seems very bad. But actually, after reading into it, 
I don't know, it's not as easy to, 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 to shit on as it seems to begin with. So yes, Idaho Fish and Game Commissioner resigns after bragging about killing a family of baboons. Oh, no. uh, he went to Africa and uh, emailed several photos of him in front of a family of baboons, parents and children, stacked up, dead. Uh, and people were like, yo, you can't do that, uh, especially if you're the game commissioner. So he is he has resigned. Oh my god. Yeah, it seems it seems horrible. Why would you pick this guy? Because he taught me about empathy, Barbara. <laughs> so all right. He's being Are you a sociopath? Maybe. No, 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 no. I'm going somewhere with this for, for sure. So actually, I read the full article because boy, the, the headline is just something you could just go on Twitter and be like, "Fuck this guy." Um, it was all legal. Did it entirely legally? Uh, there is game in Africa that that costs money to hunt. Baboons are not one of them. Like you can just drop them. And you can do it legally. Uh, and that's what he did. He did it with a bow as well. So when I was reading about this, essentially the guy is like, I didn't do anything wrong. Sure did seem like he did, but he actually kind of didn't. So they refer to something called ethical hunting in this article. Uh, and there's, there's more references to it in this report from the Idaho Statesman. Um, and I was like, ethical hunting? What the heck is that? Well, yeah, let's not show that. Yeah. I um, super don't want to see that. Yeah. So, uh, super don't. <laughs> Let me, uh, let me pull out some quotes here. So, quote, I'm sure what you did was legal. However, legal does not make it right. Fishing Game Commissioner from 2007 to 2015, Fred uh, Trevi, wrote in, in the email obtained by the Idaho Statesman through a public records request filed with the governor's office. So what happened is the, uh, the game commissioner that resigned sent an internal email to some other people that he worked with being like, check out all these animals that I bagged. <laughs> and the people were like, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, so, wait, he was legally allowed to do it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and he even responded with that. Uh, but they so didn't know that? It's not, it's not that. It refers to ethical hunting, which I'll get to in a minute. Okay. So uh, in Nambia, Fisher, who is the gentleman that has resigned, res res I'm pretty sure he resigned. Uh, anyway, received a list of species he could hunt, he said. He was required to pay a trophy fee for certain animals. Quote, baboons are free, he told the statesman. Uh, quote, I get it. They're a weird animal. It's a primate, not a deer. Uh, I guess he thinks that's why people might get upset. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Steve Adler of Idaho for Wildlife, a pro hunting group based in Lewiston, said Fisher's photos were his primary concern with the email. Idaho's hunter education manual includes a section on respecting non-hunters. The manual includes this recommendation, wow. quote, refrain from taking graphic photographs of the kill and from vividly describing the kill while in earshot of non-hunters. Quote, it's everything we preach against in hunters education, Alder said. Hmm. It just sends the wrong signal. Uh, quote, the biggest thing is the baboon thing. I was really troubled. That's my biggest issue. He killed the whole family. He killed the whole baboon family, and you've got the little junior laying there in his mom's lap. Oh. You just don't do that. I hate wolves as much as anyone, but I'm not going to take a wolf family and put it on display and show the baby wolf. Uh, so it uh, goes on another quote here from Fisher. I was raised in a very ethical hunting family, he said. In every picture, we try to pose the animals in a natural position, wipe the blood off the mouth, place the rifle or the bow over the bullet hole. Those are normal hunting photos. You shoot an animal, you take a picture of it. Hmm. So I started reading up about ethical hunting, um, which, as the name implies, has a lot of stuff like, uh, like give the animal a chance to escape. If you wound it, make sure you kill it humanely and quickly. Uh, make sure you're in proper shape to hunt. Uh, a whole lot of things that are just about like, please respect nature, respect the animals you're hunting, respect their... worldwide? Uh, yeah, so I got regional? it from the Game Management Authority in Victoria, Australia. But there are tons of guides. Didn't know you could hunt in Australia? Cool. Yeah. 
Uh, here's, some, here's some quotes. Uh, quote, ethical hunting means that a person knows and respects the game hunted, follows the law, and behaves in a way that will satisfy what society expects of a hunter. That's a really interesting phrase to me. Ethical hunters are familiar with the places they hunt, the wildlife that live there, and the way they should behave when hunting. Practicing ethical hunting techniques in the field will ensure that you get the most out of your hunting experience and will assist to secure the future of your recreational activity. That makes sense because then if you if you like disillusion a bunch of people about hunting, mm -hmm. then they're going to outlaw hunting entirely yeah. and you're not going to be able to do it. So. Uh, let's see here. There, ah, um, there's a whole section in this particular guide and was referenced in the other one about how ethical hunters also have to be careful of how their hobby is represented which means you don't brag about killing an entire baboon Absolutely. family and show those photos. Uh, quote, people who are unfamiliar with hunting pra practices may be intimidated by the presence of firearms. So be sympathetic to their concerns and as much as possible keep firearms out of sight. Hmm. Be considerate, be courteous, and show the public that deer hunters are responsible and ethical rec recreationalists. Good hunting behavior will, refl will reflect on people's opinions on all hunters. Rude, illegal, and irresponsible actions can prejudice the community against all hunters. Uh, so, can you imagine if there was a guide like that for gamers? No, oh, jeez. Don't tweet death threats oh, at yeah. developers when they do something. There you maybe don't should like. be. Yeah, there should be. Um, so what I find <laughs> what I find particularly fascinating about this, I'm not a hunter, but the exact thing that these guides recommend against, like photos that could be misinterpreted by non-hunters, is exactly what happened. Yeah. That photo got out. Everyone got really upset. And even though that hunter technically was legal and did the legally right thing represented it in a bad way. It got in the hands of a lot of people who... Well, he disobeyed the ethical hunting rules by yeah. taking that photo, right? Yeah, the manner in which he took the photo. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting because when I first read that article, I was like, man, fuck this guy. And then I read the whole thing and I was like, uh, oh, I guess he didn't do anything illegal. He just has, he has very little tact. Yeah, that's, that, that's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. In this specific circumstance, yeah. yeah. Just no tact at all. Because, I mean, like, it sounds like he probably went out and did the legal thing. Also, I mean, killing a baby. Yeah. That's the thing I that mean, gets like, me. Is the, the, like, like, I, well, it, if you kill the parents, I mean, the child is not going to have a great time, which I'm not, like, I don't know anything about hunting primates. Work. Huh? How do baboons work? I don't know if they work that way. Uh, I, I don't know. They probably do. I've seen some fucked up shit on planet Earth about primates. I don't know about baboons specifically, but... Well, it's kind of like uh, you could equate it to being somewhere where you're smoking a cigarette in a place that is legal to smoke a cigarette, but then, like, if there's a baby being carried by, you like, right. puff a smoke into its face. It's like, yeah, that's not very ethical, but it's technically legal. Technically that's legal. That's actually that's a good example. I've seen people do that. Or some yeah. people are like, oh, i got to put my cigarette down because there's a baby around. Mm. And others yeah. are like, fuck them. I can smoke whenever I want. I can smoke here. I'm I'm allowed. I'm going to blow smoke. Mm. And then right. they do. And everyone kind of goes, like, side-eyes them a little bit, yeah. you know? This asshole. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I, I found it interesting because I, I grew up in like around a lot of hunters and just always kind of had a, I guess, a weird attitude towards it. Never was for me. Um, so I, I did have certainly an emotional impact first, but it was, it was fun, I guess, to read up about the actual culture of hunting and how, how my uh, initial gut reaction wasn't really an issue. It was just kind of an example of somebody who had no idea what I was looking at, having an emotional punch and then kind of digging in a little bit and seeing what the actual truth of it was, so. Thank why, you. Why was it legal? Like, I don't know how the laws work. Is it that there's lots of baboons or something? Uh, I did not bad? read too much about African hunting laws. Uh, aside from, it does seem that everyone, everyone in, in the hunting scene agrees that he did the hunting legally. Hmm. Uh, it's just the showing of it was the problem. That's interesting. Yeah. 
There may be like an overpopulation of baboons yeah. or something. Like, like you're allowed to kill camels in Australia. Right. Oh yeah. There's too many. Yeah, so I'm sure that's, <laughs> that's part of it. He camel. there was a lot of really? other stuff he yeah. kind of bagged while he was it's too many camels. <laughs> camels? Yeah, in the outback. Yeah. I didn't. I had no idea there were even camels in the outback. I didn't know. Neither did I until I found camels. out. <laughs> I guess they were imported and then they just spread like crazy because there's so much open space. They so you're allowed a lot. to kill them. Probably. Nice. Humped. Nice, Barbara. Two for two. Barbara's warming up. She's Ding. warming up. <laughs> just when this is over, I should yeah, that's really like, ending. <laughs> that's why this podcast is 90 minutes long. When you start getting your stride, you don't want to cut it off there. So wait, is um. Is there, an, is there a downside to overpopulation of camels? Do they like overeat vegetation or something? I assume so. I don't actually know what the issue is. I just know that you can kill them. I would guess that it's bad for the native wildlife. Do they have, can, is the meat good? Or is it just like? I've never had camel meat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert. I've had kangaroo meat. I've had kangaroo yeah. meat. But isn't like kangaroo very, very, very plentiful? There's so many of them. Kind of like deer in the US. I feel like there's more. Maybe, yeah. There's so many. It's just like roadkill there, essentially, in a lot of places. Yeah, but I mean, the thing with if you, you can't really call it roadkill because they're so they're so muscular that if you actually hit a car with a kangaroo, it'll more likely kill you than the kangaroo. Yeah. Wow. Because they're just bricks. Then it's literal roadkill. Yes. But yeah. you die. Your car breaks. That was a way Kangaroo just hops away. Uh, well, like six months ago, everyone discovered simultaneously that kangaroos are jacked and Hell terrifying. Hell yeah, super jacked. Because they like, they just like choke out their prey, right? With their arms. They can't. They usually cut with their claws. But oh, one really? thing that I mean, they're, they're pretty chill. Because there's that kangaroo that was like headlocking that dog. They and that can. Dude came up and socked it. One thing that gets me about <laughs> <laughs> one thing that gets me about kangaroos is if like you walk past a pack of them, like there's tons of them. They'll they're fine. They won't. They're not aggressive. They're not going to attack you out of nowhere. But you'll walk past and they'll all just like be eating and they're on their claws and then they all just look at you. Oh. So you're like walking past and they're all just like. Stop motherfucker. That you're just like very trying cool. to like, hey. The wrong uh, part of and then they like slowly go back to eating. <laughs> you're like, I don't want your food. Good. Here's sure, a barbell. Yeah, they're, they're making sure they don't get eaten. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Well, they're worried. Uh, Ninja Chicken writes in, camels overeat vegetation in Central Australia, taking okay. away food from native species. Thank you. There you go. Wow. Too many camels. Today this I learned. Ostrich war. Yeah. I'm going to bring that up. Uh, Classic Australian animal. The camel. <laughs> the camel. <laughs> Definitely important. Yeah. All right. Uh, I also found, speaking of empathy, all right. found something for Bruce to read. So first of all, i got to set this up. Uh, yes, Bruce, Bruce is an orator. He enjoys uh, fine literature. Lawrence has declared me an orator. I have. This is a very long thing you'll, you'll be reading. Oh, don't, that's not even that no. long. Well, yeah, it's, it's a page long. Really? It's been longer. No. I've, I've read like seven or eight pages. Excuse me. <laughs> So there's this. There was a deleted scene from The Office. <laughs> I just love the soundbite. I've read seven or eight pages. <laughs> <laughs> <I'll stop. laughs> All right, this this one has volume. I don't know if I don't know if it's coming through or not. I'm Do you hate that I am proud and brown, and standing here alive, with baby oil on my Nubian thighs? I will survive. I will survive. Big Mama Angela. <laughs> Doing a crossword. Let us do one last crossword together as brothers. No. Shall we? Yes, let's. Nope. No. It's called hentai, and it's art. <laughs> so, a deleted clip from The Office. Why did they leave that in? I, well, I've seen that so many times. I did not know that wasn't actually in the show. Uh, well, I'll leave, Reddit referred to it as a deleted a deleted scene. Huh. I like how that clip is called It's Art. It's Art. <laughs> it is Art. Uh, as this Redditor made a strong point on. So uh, Ron the, oh boy, the R-word Redditor, thanks for that, uh, left a 
Yeah, Rascal. the one you're not really allowed I'll tell to say. you later. <laughs> oh, I, know, I got it. Yeah, left a very long comment Regardless. speculating on what American culture could oh. be like if they had left that scene in. Unless legitimized hentai for Western audiences. Uh, Omar, please, thank you. Wow. Very, very cultured. I like this. We don't have any of this on the RT podcast. Uh, this is from. You guys get like five times our viewership, so we're doing something right. <laughs> this is from Ron, the R word redditor. 2,100 points. 2,200 points on Reddit. Uh, three, three golds. Three golds as well. Wow. Uh, Ron says, I wish they left that scene in. Just imagine if the West became more accepting of hentai. By keeping that scene in it, would possibly prompt more adults to research it and get converted into hentai fans. I am one myself, in turn increasing the amount that is imported and thus increasing hentai revenues in Japan, therefore increasing the amount of content created. We may have actually had anime studios like Feel and Zebec, or X-E-B-E-C, who have done their fair share of etchy anime? Is that Got it, etchy? yeah. Start to produce hentai too. The more accepting the public is, the less of a big deal hentai would be, and so we'd finally have superbly animated porn involving stepsisters, little sisters, cute aliens from outer space, and childhood friends. All the goodies. There just isn't enough of this porn in the West, and the Japanese are leading the way and leaving us behind. Not to mention we don't get hentai subtitled fast enough. Only a few high-profile hentai get subtitled quickly. Who's reading we, subtitles but, in hentai? <laughs> but because Sorry. we don't demand it in the West, then there's no commercial involvement and we have to rely on fan subbers, those kind souls, and so we miss out on a lot of the more niche hentai. I don't only watch hentai for the voluptuous thighs or the needle-like nipples on their gorgeous women. I watch it for the fantastic way they are able to describe sexual acts. When was the last time you heard the phrase, I can feel your fat throbbing cock ramming my, I can feel your fat throbbing cock ramming my cervix at light speed. I'm just losing my mind in anticipation for you to blow your huge white sticky load inside my tight high school pussy big brother. <laughs> Why does it end with big brother? Damn it. Sorry. I like high school pussy. Never. That's when you last heard that in normal porn. Never. No. You know, not to mention that Yamate, is it Yamate? Yeah, you got it. Yamate sounds much cuter and less serious when it's mumbled by a girl with two cocks in her mouth versus stop. He's <laughs> got a point. <laughs> There's things that hentai can also can do also that no regular porn could. Uh, ahigao? Oh, ahigao, yeah. Ahigao faces? No, uh, here. Uh, ahigao, he'll, he'll pull up an ahigao face. Oh, good. Uh, ahigao faces are one of God's greatest inventions. Ah. The way that a female having a huge convulsing orgasm oh can pull such a cute face is incredible. My cock survives on ahigao, coupled with the cute mumblings of a mind-broken Japanese woman. And of course... I think we're good, Omar. Animated hentai is better... Uh, animated hentai is nothing compared to what many amazing Japanese men, maybe women, draw. The artwork in some of those dujins is better than anything which has come out of Italy in the past 1,000 plus years. Wow. Truly mind-blowing stuff. The way they can make high school breasts seem so soft and shiny. The way they can perfect, they can perfectly sculpt midriffs. The way that they can get the absolute perfect amount of skin dentation on thigh highs. And the way that they can make asses look like the softest, most delicious things in existence. Cartoon porn artists in the West often create art which looks like it's straight from Cartoon Network. Whereas hentai artists in Japan make art which looks like it's straight from the mind of a man with the greatest tastes. Yeah, chef kisses. <laughs> chef kiss. Just imagine how much more advanced humanity would be, how much we'd progress, how much happier we would be as a whole if it was just acceptable to watch a large-breasted anime schoolgirl fuck her older stepbrother in the school gym. 
The fact that Japanese men have smaller cocks than us in the West is no surprise when you consider how large their brains must be to come up with the most erotic <laughs> blood pumping art known to man. This is the sort of future we miss out on when mentions of hentai are cut from mainstream American sitcoms. Beautiful. Oh, I wanted to frame that. There's still time. The thing is, he's just being like, I like this thing and would like more of it. Yeah. You could actually make a case for hentai that is about how economically standing a lot, this is going to get real nutty, oh, a lot of animators are severely underpaid. Mm. So, porn tends to drive industries. Like, I want VR porn to succeed because it means VR will succeed because porn is like the reason that DVDs succeeded right. and the reason that VHS succeeded. If hentai were successful in theory, there would be more animators, they would be more highly paid, meaning that sure we would get more mm. hentai, but we would also get better anime, better cartoons, etc. He could have made that case, he didn't. Yeah, so, but that, re yeah. that revolves around people I being know. willing to pay for it. Wow, man. I feel like nobody pays for porn. <laughs> but ads, <laughs> right? Yeah, but then you have to have advertisers that are willing to be shown against a stepbrother ramming his little sister. <laughs> Talking about her cervix. Well, then, yeah. Which that's I, how for one, do. I mean, that's how Pornhub makes money. I think I told you literally yesterday, the first time that I ever saw porn was an accident, and it was hentai at the end of oh, a right. uh, Flash dating sim. That was on E-Bombs World or Newgrounds. Newgrounds, yeah. Yeah, it was oh on one gosh. of the two. I saw a lot of porn. Um, yeah, and yeah. so it like linked out like when you finish the game and you manage to successfully date the girl to hentai. And I was like, what is this? I think it would have been eight. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, what oh, is this? Yeah, it, it you didn't really know what it was me. yet at eight? No. <laughs> I might have. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I think my there, first... there's a case to be made. For if, if porn succeeds, mediums succeed. So I get it. He was just like, I really just like it. I, it he really just, likes it just gets me off and I really like it. you Failed to read the first comment response. True, go post, ahead. Which is just, wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> which I think is the appropriate response. It is. It totally is. I'm impressed. Yeah, he really spent a lot of time on that. It's a very heartfelt, very strong message. He also knows he's, a lot about him. He knows a he's lot. He's convinced me. Good. Yeah. So now you 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 are a hentai ambassador to the West. I am. I would really like to like read an article from someone like that on hentai versus real porn, like, and how they feel about which is better and why. I think that would be an interesting essay. So I did, there was a documentary about, I think it was about just sex culture in Japan. Mm -hmm. And there was a, like, they did interview the dude who, like, was, like, a masturbation champion or whatever, who had a girlfriend, bizarrely. They didn't have sex. Um, but, yeah, he was just, he just jacks off all day. Um, and he basically, in a very Japanese way, he got an award for that. Really strong. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's an. It's like an image that goes around of a dude in an anime store, and he's like in a very Japanese way, very politely explaining how real porn is kind of gross because real women have like hair and smells and like things like that. And he's like, and then look at this. Isn't this so clean and pretty? Hmm. I feel like that kind of it's sums a it all up. Cleanliness thing. Sure. Um, well, depend if that's what you want. I think the idea is that you can talk about impossible standards. I mean, I literally know. impossible. Yeah. You have too much hair. Guys like it because, it, it, I mean, since it's weird. fake, it can be tailored exactly to everything a guy wants. Sure. Um, but that's so subjective. How do you tailor it to exactly what a certain person Well, that's why you spread your bets. Uh, that's where harem comes from. That's why from. we need more hentai. Yeah, you have a hentai that has eight different chicks in it. Each one is a mm. particular kind of, like, kink. Mm. Yeah. There was a, a Reddit thread recently um, asking people who work in porn what like their worst experience is like, or like what are the oh, hidden no. to read. dark secrets of porn. And it's really a scary industry to oh, be yeah. in. Yeah. Like there are some horror stories of, of people being mistreated and- Are you surprised? Not surprised at all, but 
I mean, it's another case for hentai of just like if you, <laughs> that's true. If you replace another case for hentai. Yes. I, I like read one of those about a guy who was supposed to do like double anal for the first time, and he, he like he wasn't clean enough, and so just like kind of stuff got everywhere, and then he was grossed out by it and vomited, and then what? ended up crying because he was like, "I'm a professional. I'm so sorry. I've ruined the scene for everyone." And you're like, just like this huge so disaster. It's probably ruined a lot more it's for bodily fluids everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's also apparently technology that can identify a butthole and, like, AI-wise, lighten it. Oh. So, like, it, it tracks where a butthole is in any given scene. It's like scene. a bleaching filter oh, yeah. for, like, like, nice. like, for editing purposes. Yeah. Oh. And just so automatically they have, physically they have bleach face tracking. Why wouldn't they have butthole tracking? Yeah. They do. I'm going to make a face bleaching joke, but that probably I should not do that. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, like, face swap stuff. Like, what if it accidentally tracked on an eyeball or something? Have you guys seen this, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, very realistic when they take someone's face and put it on porn. Oh, deep, deep fakes? fakes. Deep fakes. Yeah. 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 yeah, I've seen, yep. <laughs> yeah. I try not to look, because I don't want to I don't want to be grossed out at what people do. It's terrifying. Yeah. It is terrifying. Yeah. So you know, someone... Yeah. That came across the other day because someone linked it to me on like deepfakes.com. Someone requested to have me made as a deepfake. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! I, ju- I looked at this just the other day and I saw the thread and was like, out, <laughs> not looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm I'm fascinated by that because it is pretty fundamentally a violation of privacy. Did um, the guy like even listed like try this porn star because it seems like they have similar body oh, types? Oh yeah, that's like. <gasps> yeah. So I mean, it it started with I've seen threads of people requesting porn stars that like either look like their ex or look like uh, mm. look like a celebrity, and you know there's a whole marketing around that. Now that you have deep fakes, then it's like, now you're just fully recreating somebody's likeness without their permission, and you can, and to a degree, people have always done this with celebrity. They take somebody's soul basically and just cram it wherever they want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at what point, I, I'm waiting for the first lawsuit, where, like, what line has to get crossed? There's, like, deep fake plus VR plus, like, articulating, like, dick suck tube. Like, at this point, yeah, you're just having sex with yeah. Emma Watson. And making her say or do whatever you want. Yeah. Another point for hentai, really. Yeah, if yeah. You can, if you ask me. I'm not that bothered by it. Like, it was a thing that I didn't want to read, but it's, like... What happens if somebody sees that me. and assumes that it's you, though? I'm just, just explain that it's not. Mm. I hope that that works. I but. imagine if it gets advanced enough where it's hard to tell what's real and what's fake, that let's Hurt say people's reputations, et cetera. There's an employer, like if you're trying to get a job somewhere, that at that point in the future, people understand that that is doable and like you could replicate someone's appearance in that function. And like if you're like, this isn't me, they would believe you. We That's are heading point. in a direction where things can be simulated so well that we literally are not going to understand what truth is. Like that mm-hmm. Google phone call. Yeah. The AI, oh, yeah. like that yeah. stuff is going to be happening more and more. And I don't know, like 20 years from now, will we have any concept of what is real and what is not? Are we, like, it's not that far away. It's a different kind of it's a different kind of attunement. I mean, people thought you know the War of the Worlds radio play was real. Yeah. Because it was the first believable thing that was distributed on a medium, and people hadn't really adjusted to like what advertising is and what lying is, uh, or what theater is. I feel like it's going to be the similar thing where people just have worldviews. And they make snap judgments about what real and what what's real and what isn't. Mm. The problem is, and you're already kind of seeing this, is that now you can choose what your worldview is, and it doesn't have to be informed by data because you don't know what data is anymore. So you just people choose already what the do most it about like fake is. tweets, stuff like that, like comments they read. Like it's already kind of skewed that everyone has different understanding of what is real and what isn't. It's just as soon as it comes to be someone's face that is made on something else digitally, and then their words put together to sound like something is when it's like, how do we discern? What's real and what's not. Then they make an Alana robot. Alana bot. Alana bot. Maybe she's already the Alana bot. 
Power down. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, I got one more ad read. Doesn't look like anything to me. If you're if you're not a robot, you will have to brush your teeth sometimes, and we can help you do that with Quip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you think? So Quip is a uh, it's an electronic toothbrush, a replacement heads of which are sold to you via subscription service. So once you get it, so it's a robot. They'll send them to you. Yeah, actually, you brush. Yeah, robots brushing teeth with robots. That's what it, that's what we got. Uh, but they got new tech in there. It's not just an electric toothbrush. It actually pulses based on a timer to tell you when to switch sides to make sure that you brush your entire mouth the proper amount of time. Uh, they say they do this because 90% of people don't brush for a full two minutes and don't clean their mouths evenly on both sides. That I know I'm definitely uh, guilty of because I would start with the left top and I get in there real hard, but by the time I work my way back and forward and then back and forward, ah, my arm's all tired. So it's mostly, it's mostly just going through the motions by the time I hit my back left. Uh, so I should probably, I thought about mixing it up and I did once and it just felt wrong. Mm -hmm. So maybe Quip can uh, help me with that. They also have multi-use cover mounts, so you can mount it to your mirror uh, and then it can just slide off or it can cover the cap so you can take it with you when you travel. Uh, brush heads are automatically delivered to you on the dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five dollars. I've had my current toothbrush for like two years and I think that's well after it's time for me to get another one and I keep thinking about that but every time I like order something off Amazon I have been forget. using the same tip for three years. Two years. Like the same? Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't be Lawrence. doing that. Should, I know. You should be doing that. Oh, come on. Doesn't everyone do that? No. no. Not really? Not. I change it like every three months. You're supposed to change every three to six months. I don't believe any of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, whatever. Whatever. I'm out here. I'm out here. I'm a rebel. Uh, Quip will set me up. Uh, they say they're sending them to us, so I'm actually excited to get one. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> so Quip has one of the first electric toothbrushes to be accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified Five-star reviews, even the little cover, you can choose what color it is and what was slate, because it looked elegant. Uh, Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash dude right now, you get your first refill pack for free with your toothbrush. So once again, the toothbrush, 25 bucks. Go to getquip.com slash dude right now to get your first refill for free, which apparently I'm woefully in need of. Uh, so my teeth are going to fall out pretty soon. That's a bummer. You Hopefully this... still look nice, though. Thank so. you. Yeah, and your breath doesn't smell, so that's yeah. good. That's good to hear. I Somehow was actually getting self-conscious about that. Every time I put on the motorcycle helmet and I, like, breathe, I get a big nose full of my own breath, and I'm like, well, it doesn't smell the mintiest. It's not terrible. Most people no. aren't that close to your mouth, so... Also, you gotta, you got to change your toothbrush. I do. You're right. right. It's time. Like, maybe tonight. Probably tonight. Lawrence Probably tonight. smiles Probably and his teeth are all just black. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the amount of coffee I drink, I'm actually pretty grateful that my teeth aren't horrible. But anyway, yes, that's getquip.com slash dude for a free refill with a uh, Quip brush. So thank you, Quip, for the sponsorship. I'm excited to, I'm excited for them to get here. I'm excited for you, too. Uh, thank you. Uh, so also, just in closing, this was something we don't really have time to get to, but I love this video so much. Whoops. Well, you know what? No, I'm not going to mute that. So uh, there's a game coming out. Senran Kagura is one of the greatest works of art. Hentai. Almost. No, I'm <laughs> I think it would be classified as edgy, but yes, close. Uh, so this is a game with uh, ninjas. You can tell they're ninjas, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Uh, from different ninja schools, doing various tasks. We've played, we've done a gameplay where there's cooking. Uh, the original game is a huge beat-em-up, so it's kind of like Dynasty Warriors. Oh. Um, oh, I think I've played Omar, go full on that it's one. It's not bad. Yeah. Go full I on that, Omar. What, really? Yeah, go full on Why not? It's, oh, oh yeah, you can spray down with water. All the way full. There you go. So this is from Peach Beach Splash, the, uh, the competitive wow. shooter where you have water guns. You just shoot each other with, and then it's kind of like Splatoon, basically. Where do you keep the water guns? Uh, you hold them, and you yeah. got a little water tank on your right back, here, like this. Yeah, with your hands. <laughs> Where does she keep them? <laughs> just hold it. It's a very easy cosplay. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna say, yeah. You're welcome. So this is something called intimacy mode. Uh, 
I treat everything as validation. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, you spray her down with water. She likes it. Um, <laughs> the problem is, so this is from Peach Beach Splash. The next remake, uh, let's see here. Senran Kagura burst re colon Newell. Uh, Sony has refused the publishing of this game. Yeah, there's hands, by the way. There's grabby hands. Uh, Whoa! Well, that's you, like there was a there was a VR game where you could touch women in bikinis. Yeah, and, and they would like protest. I think, like, yeah, because they didn't like it, they didn't allow it in the West. Yeah. Because well, they would be like, no, and you'd just like oh, grab their boobs. Yeah, you, you, can, you can grab and yank around those what boobs. What the hell? It's That's very not sensual. how boobs work. Sure it is. This is like that, that game in Mario Party where you adjust Mario's yeah. face. Yeah, oh, Mario 64. Yeah. Except they're, they're boobs. Also I don't a, think that's how boobs work. There's also a slap button. He'll get there in a minute. So, so uh, Sony, because they are censoring us, has said that this, ver this mode has to be removed from the PS4 version of the game, uh, but it will launch with the PC version. So that's horrible. I know, I hate those hands. Uh, this is art. Uh, Tom Leibschultz at the localization producer to Exceed Games quotes Neil Gaiman in saying, if you don't stand up for the stuff you don't like, when they come for the stuff you do like, you've already lost. Uh, goes on to say, I don't like intimacy mode in Senran Kagura, but I've always stood up for it because of, well, this. This is how it starts, my friends. Welcome to the new 90s. Uh, so, yeah, you, you essentially grope her and then a little heart fills up. Uh, and I guess you get you get grope points. I don't like how they look like Mickey Mouse hands. Yeah, I don't like that okay, either. I guess yeah. like how like Hasimi, Hasimi did not like it does does kind of suck. So about that, that is because Japan is a very rich and cultured uh, tapestry uh -huh. that we have to appreciate in the West. Mm. Uh, so this is half bullshit, but this is the explanation that I read, is that uh, it is seen as proper for a Japanese woman to initially reject any sort of advance uh -oh. and then eventually go along with it. It's, it's seen as like, if you like it to start, you're like a slut. So you need to be like, oh no, no, don't do that, ha ha. Even if you like are into it. Fucking yikes. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> not complicated. Very, that. Which is why people in Japan don't fuck. Cause like the roles and like the politeness of it all, like the, the society is very rigid and that rigidity carries over into like those sorts of situations. That makes consent difficult. Sure yeah, does. I was gonna oh, say boy. that, but as a layer of complicatedness. Yeah. To say the least. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see a lot of that in anime, where some girl's like, no, don't touch me. Eh. And then it happens. And then she flips at some point, mm, which is like really a, gross and messed mm, up by like, Western standards. It's like a converting to Judaism. I'll get there, don't worry. Okay. Um, apparently one of the steps in converting to Judaism is that you have to ask a rabbi, I think it's three times, and he has to deny you three times mm. before you could, because it, it proves that you really want yeah, it. Yeah, it proves that you really want it. Yeah, I don't... Well, that's, I, that's, that's, that's the same, I bet it's the same with the Japanese culture. I bet it's the same because it proves that she really wants it. And then they're like, oh, okay, there's consent there. I think it because proves that he really wants it. Yeah, it proves it. he really wants I, it. I was going to say, I, I, th I thought it was because she, she then goes, ah, oh, okay. But it depends on what her reasons are for saying, ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole can of worms, right, Batman? Oh, I didn't say it wasn't. Why don't they just toss out that first no? So you're like, whatever the second reaction is, <laughs> uh -huh. that's the just first reaction. So if you say yes, it's yes. If you say no, it's no. <laughs> We're not Japanese. We can't tell them what to do. That's true. The culture is different. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. That sounds yeah. very difficult. Moderator asks in chat, is that why all Japanese porn is so rapey? Kind of, yeah. They, they do have a whole category for what we in the West would describe as normal porn, and it's called happy porn, oh. where the girl is actually into it from the start. So there is a whole, just, there is a whole thing, if, if you're into that for whatever reason. Um, happy porn? Happy porn? So yeah. People aren't happy when they have sex. Any normal porn? Yeah, ideally. <laughs> well, normal in the West. All right, let's get on to hard netting, which is how we usually no, close up the show. Hard no, it wasn't. 
that was just just let, keeping you guys aware of, of the dreaded the dreaded left and their attempts to censor everything good in this world. When will they stop? Hard nutting. Oh, you don't, you don't have to... Yeah, I'll. Net? Oh. Lawrence I said nutting. Like, Listen to Paula Bukaki. Sometimes. <laughs> Welcome, Barbara. Oh. Depends how much how much you like the uh, the competitors. So this is a this is a recurring competition at the end of the show, where I find I find like. Interesting expressions of humanity on the internet, basically like cultures or subcultures that would never have found a home. Like it would just be some weirdo in Idaho, except that because they have the internet now, we can all celebrate this guy's weird infatuation with plastic chairs or like singing through a bottle of Putting water. Putting on things. Yeah, yes. It's, it's essentially the end of the news broadcast where they show the squirrel on skis. Is what we're going for here. Uh, I want to see a squirrel on skis. It's awesome. Holy fuck. Yeah. Never so, seen that? No. Never, There's a real ever? video of a squirrel on skis? Of course there is. I, I feel like based on this that my suggestion from last week did not win. Uh, no, it didn't. I'm sorry. Was yours squirrel on skis? No, it was this YouTube <laughs> channel that is solely dedicated to um, Banjo-Kazooie, the bird in Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, yeah. we, just yes. like pooping eggs. And I found it and subscribed and was very excited and then was like, Lawrence, please use this. Uh-huh. And he did and they got voted out. It was good, yeah. but it got voted down. I apologize. The, the Digimon this, one I thought was a real escalation of the art form. I was mad about that. I left an angry comment mm-hmm. and said this isn't what I subscribed for. Automatone requires a lot more effort. You're right. Than the Banjo-Kazooie channel. You're right and I resent that. <laughs> so this is the, uh, the Automatone is an instrument that it's just like a giant musical note. Except to play it you squeeze the little face so the mouth opens up and you like fret the neck. Ooh, there's a Halloween one? Yeah, this is, this is a fresh one. So this... Oh my gosh, there's a squeaky skeleton. Oh, this thing. Are you allowed to play this song? Oh yeah. I mean, let Content ID come after us. Uh, or Rooster Teeth in general. There is effort to also recreate various music How would they have done this? That's what I'm saying, like they- do anything with After Effects. They put a lot of time and effort into this. They really Just ignore the hand and you're immersed right away. And uh, in previous dude soup, Silly G also said that for every time his watermark is mentioned, he will make it bigger until it covers the entire screen. I know, I and I saw that, that and I meant I decided to mention that the Silly G watermark is way too big. Well done. This is really well done. I told we told you. It is. Yeah. Really cool. Oh yeah. no, he tore his face off. I've actually never seen the inside of an automaton. <laughs> so that's God. what it is. That goddamn wood block is killing me. If I saw that thing by itself, I would think it's a sex toy. They sell them everywhere. In Japan. Still could be. Yeah. They also sell sex toys everywhere in Japan. So. Nice. Amen. They have to say no the first time, yes. and then you could buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and that's going up against uh, catgirl, catgirlcare.org, which is the guide to proper cat girl care. If you're unfamiliar with cat girls, they're pretty self-explanatory. It's a anthropomorphized anime girl version of a cat that behaves as a cat and basically is a cat, except sometimes speaks English or Japanese, I should say. Uh, so this is a, a caring guide that goes through litter box, training, feeding, bathing, Can grooming. we read the litter box logic? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly similar to an actual cat. So let me... Uh, Do, does the girl use the litter box? Well, I mean, you might have to get her to... Well, yeah, to but it's with. a cat, though. Remember, it's a, it's a cat. It's a cat girl. A cat girl. In the form of a girl. A so girl not, is half the part of it. I don't know about... Maybe not half. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, not says, sure. uh, it's not specific. Many cat girls are initially raised to use a litter pans for elimination. By the time they are sexually mature, a good breeder will typically have them toilet trained and you will only have to show her the basic functions of flushing 
and the location of sanitary cleaning materials. However, if your cat girl is astray slash feral from a shelter, it is possible she was never fully toilet trained. There you go. This matter is fairly easy rectified in a few ways. When your cat girl evinces signs of elimination, squatting slash straining, calmly and carefully pick her up under the arms and place her on the toilet. Gently hold her there until she eliminates. Demonstrate proper sanitary wiping upon completion. Your cat girl is a sanitary and fastidious creature. She will very quickly grasp the mechanics of clean and safe elimination on the toilet and be much happier for it, <laughs> as will you. Omar, Omar flashed himself in there. Thank you, Omar. very, very briefly. <laughs> I appreciate that restraint, too. You were waiting the entire show. I did not expect that. That was so jarring. That was so scary. <laughs> I was reading about cat girl litter box. That's why you did it. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot. I'm going to say it gets, real, it gets real awkward around the... Uh, where is it? It's, I think it's pretty down here. The I first sentence. Give us some awkward. Yeah, yeah, the reproductive concerns area. What do you mean concerns? Concerns. Your cat girl, upon sexual maturity, usually in her fifth to seventh year, will go into season three to four times a year. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll blow it up for you, but it might make it, yeah, it will make it scale a little bit weird. Let me scroll it. There you go. During this time, she will be sexually receptive and capable of conceiving. Do not breed your cat girl unless under the strict supervision of a licensed and accredited breeder. It's good advice. Registered cat boys, they're cat boys, yeah. are rare and rigorously screened for genetic defects, and mating with an unlicensed male can produce stillborn offspring or worse. That would be terrible. That would be worse. Stillborn cat people? Uh, are you tweeting about cat girls, Barbara? I, I want to. There's also this helpful image at the top there. Uh, I'll have to zoom back out on it. So every, yeah, every dollar that is spent waging the war on drugs is a dollar not spent on genetically engineering cat girls for domestic ownership. Oh boy! So think about that. That's I mean, a good point. They are right. George W. Bush. You're That's, not wrong. Or no, wait, other George Bush. Who started the war on drugs? Reagan? No. H.W.? Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I believe I you mean H.W. I'm sorry, H.W. H.W. Who cares? That was a million years ago. Winners don't use drugs. So now are you Thanks supposed to sessions. have them fight? You vote between the two? It's essentially a vote, yeah, yeah. Which one uh, do you like more? Like or like are, are I just we, saw the sentence she should not require lubrication if in season. Oh no. That's how you know. So yeah, you just you gotta vote on which one's net and harder, whatever oh. that means to you. Uh, See, at first I would think the cat girl is net and harder. But if it's a debate of like which one I like more, mm. this criteria is up to you. Yeah, the criteria is kind of up to you. If it makes you so uncomfortable so uncomfortable to vote for it, you can weigh that. All right. Well, uh, I still like that this is Halloween. The what, How do you pronounce it? Automaton? Automaton, yeah. He's, he's done a lot. It's of, impressive. I've done a lot of videos about a lot of different songs. Like, yeah. It's very, very good. Yeah. Let's I would have to vote for that. You just, look at that effort. Go. See? Yeah. And also the consistency I enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, shit. Feel oh, look at that one. Oh, animated. Oh, my God. See? There was a little Otomoto record scratch in there. This is great. <laughs> One thing that I should point out though is Otomoto's not doing any original music. The only reason, maybe one of the reasons we like it is because oh, there's songs, the... yeah, there's songs that we already know. But it's always smiling. That's true. It's That's always true. happy. Right always right. performing. So, How long is Cat Girl? Will you scroll all the way down? Uh, it's it's pretty long. Uh, so you can see the scroll bar So, yeah, reproductive concerns. It's very long. I was gonna say. Hold on. What? Exercise care bathing after. Exercise bathing her after this is her genitals will likely be a bit puffy 
red and very sensitive. If she seeks additional stimulation while bathing, you can accomplish relief for her by locating and gently manipulating her clitoris in slow clockwise and counterclockwise circles. She will climax at least once over three to five minutes. <laughs> It's, it's like she's a robot. Got to stop watching one hand and <laughs> a clitoris in the other. Good Friday night. Uh, all right, Bruce, who are you voting for? Who's that harder? I mean, I really like Cat Girl a lot. A lot more than Banjo-Kazooie farting. Okay. Uh, I, I'm I sorry. It's not it. against you, Alana. But I'm still voting for Automaton. Oh, shit. Automaton tried to recreate the Feel Good Inc. music video with their own stuff. I mean, like, Sully G. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Great. Oh, pumped up kicks. Yeah. All right, Alana. Oh, so, oh my vote doesn't that. count. It's a, yeah, it's a shutout. This so is I'm going to vote for Kako Cat. Good I really you. appreciate the nice. effort that you put in. Uh, There's free um, smut in this pot. Continue finger insertion. Exactly. Wait, <laughs> That's they, how I like to read my I didn't smut. Get, I read it down to like the, uh, the bathing part, and I was already like, you know what, no. I didn't actually read the whole, that whole segment. Maybe I should. No, I don't need to. You it's should gone. educate yourself on it the cat It gets girls. pretty messed up. <sighs> her cervix, what? Yeah. Who, yeah. what, no. Like is I that, said. No one wants their cervix touched. Is that about how to get her off? What? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's like the idea is that if your cat girl's in heat, you gotta help her out. But I very much like, she's had an exhausting run. Stroke her head gently and talk encouragingly to her. That's pretty nice. You, you did great. Me all live by. You did great. I wish all men knew about that. I know, that. just... <laughs> it's yeah. so pretty. Yeah, wow. Did a great job coming there. Good job. What about Barbara? What's, who's you vote for? I voted for Automaton. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, shit. He's had a pretty long run, huh? Yeah, Automaton's been going run. for a while. I'm just so... Yeah, it's just the consistency. Wait, this Patreon. one isn't even... Yeah, it's not really... Nothing's happening. Oh, it, it was. They just... Look they at went the lighting. Oh, that was the end of the video. That's why. Yeah. That was the end. Yeah, yeah. Even, it was even a lead out. that thing. God. Well, Tomatone, real silly G. You got another week it's under really your belt. It's really good. Or are you not allowed to vote? Uh, no. I don't want to. I don't want anyone to accuse me of like tilting the scales. So. Also, <laughs> I serious stuff. Once I get like a spare few hours a week, we'll figure out how to get megaphone in here so the audience has a vote. But that means it may be possible tie. Mm. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Maybe the audience can be weighted. I have a suggestion yeah. for one you could use for another week. Yeah, sure. Should, should I tell you now? Uh, sure. It's, I don't know what it is, and I saw it on the interwebs the other day, obviously. <laughs> but it's a channel where this kid does a series called uh, What Are You Doing in the Hallway? And it's a guy in high school who just interviews people at his high school about why they're in the hallway. Excellent. That's cool. I like that. And there must be 40 or 50, maybe more videos. I like that a lot. And they're each like three to four minutes long. Some guerrilla journalism. Like, edited? Like, just cuts basically nothing special no graphics or anything like that but cool i like it sounds oh, good to me good series but for him yeah i'll try and <laughs> find it uh all right before we close the show got some announcements about what's going on in the funhouse universe for you guys uh first up we have candles and shirts in the rooster teeth store halloween at, uh, yeah boom it hasn't been centered this whole time and it's Oh, yeah, you're right. Fix it. Oh, sorry Fix about it, that. Fix it, Barbara. Perfect. Yeah, Thank I just you. kind of slammed it down on the tables. Uh, that's store.fun.house is where all of our stuff is. So the, the design that's on the like the sacred mother of the broken disc, that's also on the shirt. So uh, you can check that out in our store, store.fun.house. There's also a link in the description. Uh, Drunk Mario Party, the edited video that's coming out this Sunday. So look forward to that. I actually noticed in the, in the analytics our Drunk Mario Party 10 video Went back up the ranks because I think people are looking for it and they think that's the one. Yep. No, no, no. We got new stuff. New stuff. I'm excited to watch it. I'm sad I couldn't be here. It's really Me good. Me too, yeah. It's, about it's really, really good. 
Uh, also got a few clips for you guys from. <laughs> Were we like all videos. sick that week though too? I was sick that yeah. week. Adam was sick during. I mean, like yeah, me and Adam were sick during the thing. Ugh. Ugh. Can't think of a better time to. Yeah, how was that weekend? Mario Party. We did it. Ugh. I think it wasn't so bad. It's been it's been worse before. Yeah, it has been worse. I don't know that anything's going to be talking stocking season four, episode four. Man, oh man. Boy, was <laughs> Those I were the times. It was a weird night. <laughs> Why don't we all, man? <laughs> I do remember like full swan diving into the carpet at some point, <laughs> which didn't make it into the video, probably on purpose. Because yeah, there's a cut where it comes back and I'm just on the floor. Yeah, That's because I dove into the carpet, which also had like a broken glass of rum in it. So somehow I didn't kill myself, but I very well could have. Everybody was fine. Cool shit. Everybody was fine. Good. Everybody was fine. Bob, how long are you here for? I leave tomorrow night. Because I did want to at some point do a, a pumpkin carving BTS oh. sometime this month. Yeah. Just got to figure out a time. I've never done it, so I hope one of you does Oh, it's something. fun. Yeah. It's also very hard. Excellent. <laughs> I tried to carve a pumpkin la- two years ago for the first time. My hand never recovered. It's very, very hard. It, it's a lot harder than it. You need, Especially oh, with the improv, you like, have to tense a lot? You yeah. need good tools. Oh, pumpkins are hard. You need the proper tools because we didn't. We just had like regular knives. No, no, you can't do that. You, yeah. need, you need like good tools. Scrapers and... All right. Couldn't, we'll have yeah. to add those into the shopping segment yeah. of the BTS. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, got a few clips for you guys from upcoming videos. Uh, a little preview segment here at the end of the podcast. This is from an upcoming My Boyfriend clip. Yep, the next episode is coming. Ah, the video's all the way. This is far. This is far away too. This is like weeks out. Yeah. Sorry. I'm gonna rewind it there. You can full screen on it, Omar. If you're near that. It's like it's called a gameplay, Barbara. It's what we do. Obviously. It's a gameplay. He looked like Eminem. <laughs> oh man, that's wow. good stuff. Then we also have uh, there's a band manager g- gameplay coming up soon. It's gonna be it's gonna be something special. So. It really is. Yeah, check this I'm out. I'm Stefani, and I've assembled all of my favorite musical artists to form a super group with me, a band to end all bands. With me now. Is Bob Dylan? <laughs> to my left is the Cure's Robert Smith. Hello, I'm feeling a little blue today. I don't know if I'll be playing. Uh huh. <laughs> Over here we've got David Bowie. You can call me Ziggy, as long as my paint is on my face. And I'm not dead. Thank you for joining us from Beyond the Grave. And someone that should have died a long time ago. It's Everybody already knows my name, Elise. Yeah. It's Aaron Barrett. <laughs> He's from Real Big Fish. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Christ. Oh, man. Oh, God. We're never well, going to get Real Big Fish on this podcast I now. I don't know how you got the real Gwen Stefani to host that. I know. She's <laughs> at least did a spot-on impression of That's Elise. Gwen Stefani. <laughs> it's hard to tell, isn't it? What? Yeah. What's you thought we paid the $20 to get Gwen Stefani in here. She still she still sells out stadiums, yeah? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Probably more than 20 bucks then. Oh, we'll see. We'll work the angles. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess aside from that, we got another Gaming Weekly coming up this Thursday. If you guys are watching live, you get to watch it Thursday morning when we stream. Uh, And if you're first members, you get to see the however long video, which will probably be a lot shorter this week. Sorry, Omar. Yeah. (laughs) It was a long one last week. It was a long one. Intentionally. Had a lot lot stored up. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff to like iron out and all that. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be up tomorrow, uh, Friday. Friday, 2 o'clock. So look forward to that. And thank you for listening to this podcast. See you next week at the same time. If you're watching live, oh!
He got the <gasps> squirrel! Yes! Omar, such a... How have you never seen this? I don't know! <laughs> but I do feel like my life is better now, though. Look yeah. at him! Are his hands tied down? Oh, I hope He's not. holding on for dear life. Yeah, are that. those progressive... They are? It's a sponsored... Is there also a squirrel driving the boat? Oh! No, they weren't. Down. They weren't tied down. <gasps> Twiggy! Oh, he's so good. He just hangs on. Who's driving that boat? I think there were two squirrels driving the boat. <laughs> the squirrels driving the boat are a little more impressive, yeah? Oh, oh my god. god. Squirrels are super cute. They are. Oh, that, that is a really domesticated squirrel. I was... Yeah. Uh, what a heartwarming way to end the podcast. Thank you, Omar, and thank you, listener slash viewer. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, leave a comment. Uh, there he is. Give there us, he is. Give us a little uh, review on iTunes or whatever, or just recommend it to a friend. All that's good. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Oh, did you bump? <gasps>